A quick disclaimer. The thoughts and opinions expressed on the Doored Up podcast are strictly those of the hosts and guests of the show and do not reflect official policies or viewpoints of any law enforcement, government, or public service entity, nor is the Doored Up podcast officially affiliated with said agencies. The Doored Up podcast contains mostly true stories told by the law enforcement officers, firefighters, emergency medical services personnel, military veterans, and first responders who lived through them. Some names and details may have been changed to protect the anonymity of persons involved. Realize that some listeners may be familiar with these stories, and we would encourage them to refrain from commenting with any clarifying details that might violate that anonymity. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Doored Up Podcast. This is episode four. I'm your host, Deputy Drew. We tell you first responder stories straight from the mouths of the people that lived them. Talk with law enforcement, fire, EMS, military veterans, first responders, and the people connected them to bring you their stories straight from them. So I just wanted to start off by saying thanks to everybody for all the support so far. It's been overwhelming. Everybody telling me how much they enjoy the show, and I really do appreciate all that. It's been a lot of hard work trying to kind of get it off the ground. Uh, so tonight, I'm joined by my co-host from episode one, Detective Shannon. Hello. And we've got Officer Jake. How's it going? Pretty good, man. I'm glad to have you here. You uh, kind of rushed rushed in from uh, working day shifts today and yeah. had to kind of scramble to get in, but I do appreciate you making the time to come in today, man. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I have uh, like what you're doing. Yeah. I wanted to get in here and... Hopefully be, be in a few more. Yeah. Yeah. That's I've open invitation, man. Like pretty much anybody's welcome. Yeah. I'm super glad to have you today. Um, so Jake and me have been, um, working together in various capacities for, oh, I can't even remember exactly how long, um, just working in the same area as each other, interacting together with you working in different agencies. Yeah. EMS. Yeah. Paramedic for. For God, five years before I what was that two thousand and nine to two thousand and fourteen. Yeah, so I ran with you a bunch there. Yep, and then uh, that's where I remember first meeting you was when you were running running EMS. Yeah, and then switched over to the uh, the LE side. Right, and uh, worked in an agency where we worked together a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's a smaller municipality that. Uh, um don't have a large number of officers. I think it, at the time then you guys had maybe 10. Uh, I think we've always, I think that agency always had a sworn of like 12. Now they're up to 15, but yeah, a lot of times there's only one or two on duty. Yeah. Which was similar to our agency max. We would have, you know, three or four on patrol yeah. at a time. And we were always running to cover you guys. And likewise, if we were somewhere close to where you could get fast yeah. and several, sometimes when we were not so close not- and you guys showed up anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then switched over to the local bigger agency a couple of years ago. So. Yeah. That's our, our sister agency that works out of the same building that we're in. And it's much larger department and a lot more going on there. Yeah. You know, the other agency was very busy. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just, I mean it, it has all the big city problems with a smaller area. Yeah. Um, smaller area and then smaller population. It's much smaller bug. call volume. Yeah. But the same scrope bags oh yeah it's all the same people yeah, they the, just... the invisible jurisdictional line doesn't stop them so yeah so yeah. super busy agency um yeah. 
now all I do is I just have a bigger area to go find more scroll bags, and right. then I have to take a lot more calls. <laughs> right. And I very, once you got out on patrol and you were working on your own, I very quickly identified you as a hyper-proactive guy that was out, you know, trying to make stops, trying to get into whatever you could get into, and you were always there to show up when something was going on. Didn't matter if it was slow or whatever. If I was close to your neck of the woods, you'd stop out. And I always tried to reciprocate that. And then um, you did a couple years on the task force, the same task force that I worked on, working dope. Like right after you. Yeah. Like I think you. I left in 17. And I went there in 18. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then you did, did two years or a year and a half? A little over a year. Okay. Um, and then I had the opportunity to swap just substantially more money. Yeah. Um, they implemented the gigantic $12,500 lateral in-state bonus. Yeah, that had me like... That was hard know. to pass up. <laughs> I, was, I was at, oh, I don't know, 12, 13 years at the time, and that came up, and I was like, you know... That was close to... I could go hump calls for three, four days a week for that money. Like, yeah. that's a pretty good bonus. But once I figured out that they... Once I talked to basically the recruiting sergeant, who was like, yeah... But they pay it out over the course of a couple of years. And I was like, oh, I've played that game. Right. Well, so <laughs> yeah, was, uh, I got lucky, though, because because I had, uh, you know, the same agency or I not the same agency, but a, a local agency, same dispatch, same area. Yep. Same system. Um, and I had already I'd been working heavily with like Shannon here. He, uh, you know, he works for the agency that I now work for. Yeah. And he's been there way long before I was. But um. It, uh, it just, it just panned out right at the time. Yeah. Um, but because it's so similar and I had been lucky enough to develop a good reputation with the folks over on that side of the street. Sure. Um, my field training was, I went through the same hiring process, the full background, everything. Um, but I think my field training was, God, four weeks at most. I think I, I think I PTO'd for like four weeks and then I was on my own. So digressing there, that was the initial $4,500 payment on day one paycheck. Right. And then the second $4,000 payment on day one after PTO. Okay. So in the span of about a month, I got $8,500. <laughs> okay. A little over a month. And then I didn't get the last 4000 payment until 18 months later. Okay. When you get off probation. Right. So. Did you use GI Bill too? Uh like while I was on PTO, yeah, huh? No, I used my GI Bill um, in the academy, though. Yeah, you, did you know? I didn't even know I could use yeah. GI Bill. During, I didn't either. That's most something people that, know that because they consider it an apprenticeship program. So for that whole eighteen months after you get done with the academy, that whole time that you're in PTO, and even after you're done with PTO, that mm-hmm. eighteen months is uh, on while you're on probation. It's, o- it's considered OJT. Yeah, really. So, so I could have been getting paid. Apprenticeship yeah. program. You still might be able to go and get it back paid. Really? Yeah. Yeah, um, it's covered now. I, I, I used it in the Academy yep. years ago. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't know that that was a program until we were halfway through the Academy. Cause me and Shannon went to peace officer basically together. We talked about that in episode one and he's like, did you get your guard money? Cause I was out, I'd been out for two years at that point. Like I'd been long out of the guard. So and I was in the guard while I was in the Academy. Yeah. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't get any money from them at all anymore. I've been out for two years. And he's like, no, like you get paid money for GI Bill to be at the academy. I was like, 
I need to go talk to somebody about this. Yeah. And he was like, yeah. go you down. Still be able to put, you should try putting in for it. Really? Yeah. Okay. And I don't know how much get, I have left because I used, God, I've used, I'll tell you what, that's my advice to anybody. Join the military, get the dang GI Bill. And fucking use it. And fucking use yeah. it. I uh, I didn't, man. Let me tell you what I have used. So my active duty time is where I picked up my GI Bill and then right. I did guard after that. But I have, I did an associate's degree in emergency medical services for my paramedic. 100% paid plus paid per month Sure, for it. Um, I am almost done with my bachelor's degree in criminal justice administration. Um, 100% paid for by the guard. Sure. Uh, I got paid, what, $1,100 a month or something while I was in the academy. Yep. Just on top of it. All of that money. And I still have enough money left to finish the bachelor's and do a year of my master's if I want to. Nice. Um, although, time flies. I'm running it. Sure. I'm almost, it's almost gone. I've almost lost the benefit. Right. Can't use it anymore. Because you got 10 years, right? <sighs> I don't know what it is. I got off active duty in 2007, and then I was in the Guard from 7 to 8. I got out of the Guard early to move back to okay. um, Just kind of a, it was a regular, they just actually, surprisingly, they just let me out. I just sure. did a, a, a honorable early discharge or whatever. Because sure. I still had that commitment, mm-hmm. the, uh, the eight-year commitment. Right. Um. And then I joined again in 2012 and did a three-year tour to 2015. Right. And you were Air Force, right? Active duty Air Force and then uh, Army Guard. Right. And you were, what did you do in the Air Force? Uh, Security Forces. Okay. Yeah, military police. Okay. Well, no. That's what it is. But yeah, actually what it is is it's it's Security Guard. Right. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) My uncle did uh, Air Force, Security Force in Turkey in like 1970. Three, four, five after Vietnam. Okay, back when it was the security police. Yeah, yeah. So long you had MPs and you had security for. <laughs> yeah, a long time ago they had it broke. They had security. They were all called security police, but they had a security side and a law enforcement side. Okay, and then they combined them both and they train them both, and then you just you do whatever you get stuck. Sure. Like I was lucky enough to go and get stuck guarding nuclear weapons. Right. Which Absolutely. sounds cool, but it is not. <laughs> yeah. And well, then like, imagine Turkey in 1973. Yeah. So those stories, pretty mind-blowing. I bet. It's pure Midnight Express type of <laughs> atmosphere. <laughs> I um, So the Army is similar in the way that they break up their MP program. Like you've got your, your garrison MPs. You know, and then you've got combat MPs. It's actually two different MOSs, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sure somebody's going to leave me a shitty comment on here, some MP somewhere that. Yeah, I don't know. I telling so, me that they're they're the toughest cop in the world because all of their all of their suspects are trained killers and. Blah, oh blah, yeah, blah, blah, God, blah, God, don't blah, even get me started about that. But like we 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 were attached to a couple MP units when we were in Baghdad. Yeah. In '04, and they were like, "No, we're like, we don't do that garrison shit. Like we're combat MPs. It's a different job, right? You know." So, I, you know, in all my time, I never spent any time with Army MPs. Yeah. Um, security forces, all security forces. Um, Garden planes. Any deployments? Yeah, yeah. Guarding, uh, guarding planes, Camp Warrior in 2004. Where was that at? Kirkuk. Okay. In Iraq? Yeah. But okay. it was only a little six-month deal because yeah. it was Air Force. Yeah. Um, six months. Well, that's yeah, terrible. Yeah, six months. And as much as I, <laughs> as I want to stand here and talk about all the cool stuff I did, um, I didn't. Right. You know, I worked. I worked four on, two off. Um, I didn't once. Like, I left. I left the base twice. Right. And that was on my way in. 
and then on my way out, you know. Um, <laughs> well, it's a different, you know. Guarding planes. Anybody job is different. Man. Yeah, you know, there's the – but I think that's probably my biggest regret is I joined the military before the war started. Oh, okay. I didn't join during the war. Um, I joined in uh, February of 01. Oh, okay. And we didn't go to war until after September of 01. Right. I think it was like – Early two thousand, yeah, yeah, November, something like that. Yeah. Um, so I had like eight months of peacetime. I knew what it was sure. like to just get waved on base. Yeah. Um. Think, you know, I guess I probably don't regret it. I already have a bad back from not being deployed all the time. But sure. So you were active duty on nine eleven. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was in my dorm room. Okay. Yeah, was, and that's the other thing. I was in the Air Force, so it's a dorm room. It's right. Not <laughs> it's not a tent or <laughs> yeah. You know, um, a, I gravel, a gravel or, fucking parking lot. Yeah. In our case, you didn't sleep under a trailer. <laughs> no in a mortar zone. I'll tell you what I learned. I learned real hard that uh, I had better places to sleep as an E three in the Air Force than I did in the Army. Yeah. As E four E five. Right. Yeah. Oh, for yeah. Uh -huh. And then you were. Uh, when you joined the guard, you were with a uh, medevac unit. Medevac right? unit, yeah, yeah. So you were on Blackhawks. Yep, nice. That yeah. was that was one of the things that I was always. I didn't know that there was other career paths in aviation besides flying. So my recruiter lied to me, you know, because when I joined my guard unit, he was like, "You can be field artillery, you can be a thirteen Bravo, you can be supply, or you can be a cook." And I was like, "Well, gee, that's a fucking hard right. one," you know. Yeah, I mean, there's there's three ways to get on a Blackhawk. You could be a yeah. You start off as a helicopter Sacks, mechanic. Four. You can get fucking shot, <laughs> or you could or you could hitch a ride on one. Um, yeah, and it, I've done that. Yeah, you know, all the all the crew chiefs right. are mechanics, right? And they go from being a mechanic to a crew chief, right? And that's I've got a buddy that he's mm -hmm. been going through that program. Shout out to you, Man Pie, if you're listening. He was deployed with me in '09. And he, after that, he transitioned over to, to rotary wing. Yep. So. Yeah. And then the medics on medevac units and you've like, that was the cool thing about being a medic on a medevac unit is your, your fully trained crew. Sure. So you have to progress. Right. So you have your medical stuff, but you have to progress through your aviation the same way as a crew chief does. Right. right? Um, the difference is I don't have the, the mechanical or technical knowledge that a crew chief does. Right. But as far as the actual operation of the aircraft, you had to learn systems. You had to learn, um, like we would, we could, when you were progressed all the way, we could function as a crew chief on flights. Okay. So it's just like cross training essentially. Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. So like, the, you know, they might have a mission um, and they'd be like, well, we need a crew chief, none available. All right. We got any medics that want to do it. You're an RL1 medic. Cool. Hop in. Sure. And then you fly right seat instead of left seat in the back and okay. you're doing fuel burns and. Right. Pulling checklists and stuff. So, yeah, it's pretty neat. Nice. I've, I've done, let's see, two rides on a Blackhawk, one ride on a Chinook that sucked. Um, I remember, side note, on a Chinook, like walking up because they load you from the rear, you know, and you're getting blasted by exhaust when you're walking up there. I remember walking up and there's like hydraulic fluid running underneath the deck plate. And the crew chief's standing there and we're like, is it supposed to be doing that? And he's like, when it doesn't do that is when you That's, need yeah. to worry. <laughs> it's like, tell okay. you what, for being like $13 million aircraft, you get into a Blackhawk and then it's just like a big flying shit box. Yep. Yeah, but, it's 10,000 10, rotating parts around oh, the yeah. oil leak. And I, I mean, I did, I was a, a flight medic, civilian side. Mm -hmm. um, and that, I thought that's what flying was. Oh man, till, you, till you're in a Blackhawk, 
Yeah. With uh with like a, a two hundred hour new pilot. Yep. Doing eighty knots, five feet off the ground. So break I've never fucking understood this and I have tried to like find ways to make it make sense. How fast is a knot in comparison to a mile per hour? Uh, it's like one point one miles per hour. Okay. So a knot is like one point one. Right. And that's nautical miles, right? Not yeah, okay. so they just call it nautical miles per hour. It's just a okay. one knot. It, okay. it it comes from you know where it comes from? Uh uh-uh. uh. So back in the ship days, back in the old Navy days, before they could actually measure speed, literally the way that they would calculate out their speed is they would have knots tied into ropes. Okay. And they would drop the rope into the water, and then they would count how many knots passed through a particular spot oh, as they moved through the water right? Um, over a period of time, and that's how many knots per hour they were traveling. Okay. And just over time, it, it ended up being... Just like 1.1. Like something else that transferred yeah. from the nautical world to aircraft, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, I've always, like, after I got in and I had been in for a couple of years and was, like, figured out that there was other jobs I could have done to fly because they were like, your eyes are shit, <laughs> you know? Like, you barely see well enough to get through what you need to do to be field artillery. But, you know, you're good to go. Like, you don't have to be smart to do that job. Right. And then... uh after several years of talking to other people in the army, they were like, "Oh, bro, there's many different things that you could do to get on to fly helicopters or, you know, <sighs> one of my buddies in the aircraft world." You know, uh, Steve. Yeah, Steve. Yep. You know, you know, Big Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, he was artillery. Yeah. In fact, that guy, um, God, he did 12 years in field artillery, and then went warrant officer to yeah. fly at as a sergeant first class. Okay. Um, and he just hit like, like his 25th year or something total in the military, hmm. but he was one of my favorite, favorite pilots. Yeah. He's good. He just hit 2000 hours. Um, good pilot. Yeah. Cool dude. I got to do some cool missions with him and you were down. I'll edit this out later if I need to, but you were down. A yeah. With mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It was the, then they changed again. Well, no. So it was the, and then when I went in, it changed to the, GSAB. Oh, yeah, yeah. And now it's something else. Yeah. But yeah, I went to uh I went to the Area 51 equivalent that the Nevada test site. Okay. Now it's broken down. We we went out there and supported I still don't know who they were. There were <laughs> there were women there though too. But it was desert uh desert navigation stuff. Okay. And it was it was former special forces cadre teaching it. Okay. Um and they pretty clearly appeared to be civilians. Right. Um but they were throwing them out into the middle of the desert in the Nevada test site. And they'd be out there for two or three days. And our whole job was to support them. Like there'd be times where we'd be on standby and all of a sudden some cadre dude would come in and he'd be like, ah, we got to go pick somebody up. Sure. Um, we wouldn't know where we were going. We'd get in the aircraft. These former SF dudes, like, you know, you mm-hmm. don't even, you don't even talk to them. Like, you know, they don't seatbelt themselves in. Right. Nor do you get to tell them. They just, like, monkey tell themselves to the floor. <laughs> um, you know, they tell you where you go. You get out. You land. He goes over, you know, rolls up to a guy. They yell and scream a little bit, he, whatever, and then get back in the aircraft and we leave. Right. We weren't allowed to wear name tags. We weren't allowed to wear unit patches. We didn't wear rank. Like, so we had to sterilize our uniforms. Nice. So, I mean, obviously there was some sort of, like, Right. Specialized deal. So did you do any specialty schools? Like, do you air assault or SEER or anything like that? No. No, I wasn't in the Army Guard long enough okay. to want to do it. Yeah. And I, I, had, I had a slot to air assault, and I was, like, ready to go. 
and they gave my slot away to a guy that scored better on his PT test than me. Really? Which, you know, it is what it is. If you're a dirtbag like I was, you kind of got it coming. I'm not super upset with it either. Like, I did three years, and I thought I would finish it out. But honestly, after three years, I'm like, this is why I fucking got out of the military in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, the Army Guard is just as... I mean, I love them, right? But they're right. just as bureaucratic and filled with bullshit as anything else. Yeah. Um, like, the final straw for me, I, I, we got released from drill early to drive back here because mm-hmm. the weather was moving in. And I stopped off and got something to eat. And some, some dude in my unit called somebody else and was like, well, he's at a restaurant eating. And I, I literally I got counseled for not driving straight home and told that I was their responsibility until I got home. And it was at that moment I said, I was like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not. And I'm, I'm a 30 something year old man. And you're I'm, like, I'm not 18. This isn't going to work for me. I'm, <laughs> right. Like, I'll sign your fucking paper, but yeah, on, you can eat a dick. I'm not doing the military anymore. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I provide I got, you with an MRE for lunch before you left. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like here's one to take home. Yep. <laughs> I, and I, I regret that now because we were getting ready to deploy. Oh yeah. Um, and I was going to extend for a year. Was that the, the Afghanistan employment? Uh-huh. Yep. The, yeah, I was going to extend for a year to go, and my pride kind of got in the way of that, and I got pissed off, and I was like, no, nope, fuck you guys, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Like, I spent enough time away from my child and stuff, and now you guys are going to do this. Like, I was going to extend to help yeah. out, and but once all my boys and girls got, you know, got to Afghanistan, I felt like a real shitbag for, yeah. for not going. So That's, that's these guys. I regret know. that decision. My old unit. These guys just Shannon's in. They just got home from a deployment here in the last year, and that's the first time that my old unit had deployed since I got out. And there was a huge like, man, like did I fuck up by getting out? I struggled with that for a long time, and then these guys were gone the whole time, and I'm like, I haven't heard from anybody. Like, you yep. know, wanting to check in with dudes and see how they're doing and just make sure that they're okay. There was a lot of remorse. And I at the time when I got out and left, because um, they put me on stop loss, you know, and I would, was newly married. I had a kid on deployment, and I felt that I was, you know, mistreated, and they didn't do enough for me at the time, when in reality they absolutely did. Right. You know? Uh, yeah, I, I, I should have just, just hung out with me the whole time. Man, I, I <laughs> think part of it was that I just... Up. You know, I, I stuck it out with the unit that I was in because I I felt like it was a challenge and there was that, you know, we need you, you're dependable mindset that it was like, well, yeah, because I show up and do my job and, you know, I make sure that my troops are taken care of. But I could have done that anywhere. Yeah. Like army-wide, anywhere. That's where I'm at. I should have just I should have just said whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. And, and deployed. And, you know, it's not like I'd have made a difference um, necessarily on the deployment, but... I feel like I trained with these guys for the deployment. Yeah. And then when it came down to extend to go, I said, you know what? I'm not doing it. Um, and I did it because I was mad at the army. Yeah. And I instead let people that I respected, you know, deploy. And, yeah. you know, I missed out on those experiences and I regret that. I regret yeah. not being able to fly in Afghanistan. And yeah. In a combat so, zone. Yeah. Yeah. That's these guys were, I mean, we were a high Mars field artillery unit. And after I got out, I was like, the only way for years, I was like, the only way I'll ever re-enlist is if they take a, an F.A. mission in a combat zone. And they did. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, we've oh, done you know, there, was, there was people like, put your fucking money where your mouth is and re-enlist. And it was like, I will come home single, you know, not seeing seeing my kids. My wife will not have another deployment. Like, right. I don't want to put her through that. 
you know, because it was rough because we got married, like, just the way that it worked out. Um, I mean, I was the guy that ran off and got married weeks before we deployed, and my wife was pregnant, and I managed to make it home just in time. I mean, one day before my son was born, my oldest son, and then I left for eight months and was gone. So he, there was some serious, like, misgivings, you know, when I got home. Oh, yeah. Like, I did this. I chose to do this. Like, there was probably a way that I could have gotten out of it. Um, it's hard to balance that, though. Yeah. Like, but God. at the same time, like, it was that, you know, the pride and, well, I don't want to let my guys go without me. Uh, that's That's the same thing here too right like there's all kinds of stuff about this job that we could sit here and say hey mm-hmm. um but at the end of the day really it's about the people next to you yep you absolutely. know i i have a hard time calling in sick when i'm not dying mm-hmm. because i don't want to leave the you know the people on my team short yep um and then they have to pick up my slack because i'm not there but then people are like no that's why you got sick time take it if you need it and yep. i'm like i know that but yeah. i but i mean how many people how many people are going to die next to you without hesitation yep. um, because of the job you have. Because the- there's, there's been, I have been sent home sick far many more times than I've ever yeah. called in. Yeah, and God forbid you call off sick because you got a headache and then like a shooting or right. somebody gets hurt and you're like, well, fuck, what if I'd been there? Like, yeah. Like that's, that terrifies me. Yeah, that's, we only had one, um, one casualty in our first deployment on our unit. And it was while I was on leave. Yeah, I was at home and, too. And it was my my stick of my squad of dudes that were out on a mission and got lit up. And I was like, man, for years that bugged me, you know, until chatting with the guy that got wounded because he survived, you know, thank God. Um, and he's like doing great. Guy's got a great career in the military. And he was able to recover because he was in such good physical shape at a young age. But, man, I struggled with that for years, and I talked to him later, you know, after we'd gotten home, and I ran into him. I was like, hey, man, like, I should have been there. And he's like, shut up, man. Like, it's nobody's fault but the guy who did it, you know. Like, and it was just dumb luck that he managed to catch a piece of shit. collateral damage. Yeah, it was like our our guys were passing by another convoy, and a V-bid triggered on that convoy, and they just happened to be driving by as it happened, and he caught a piece of shrapnel between his vest and his dap, you know, his shoulder plate, basically, his shoulder uh, Kevlar, and fucked him up pretty good, but he recovered real quick. Yeah. You know, I say real quick, but it was, I'm sure, a lengthy process. I'd like to get him on the show at some point. I think he lives. I think he's still in town. I thought he moved down to the Capitol. I thought he did a job down there. Maybe. Because I ran into him. It's been a while, but I used to run into him in town all the time. Another guy that has great taste in kung fu movies and samurai movies. That, great taste in movies. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he's, I don't know if he's listening, but I I suspect that he probably is. He'll know. He'll know we're talking about him. Um, but yeah, I've, I've often struggled with that, like with SRT and everything else. Like if I'm not there, all these things could go wrong. Right. Like maybe I'll be the guy that, you know, make sure that everybody is okay. It's that, you know, protector mentality that has cursed me into working many times when I should have just stayed home, you know, because I was sick or tired or whatever was going on, had other commitments. I don't even know if I've missed 12 sick days since I started. I'm going in April, 
August will be 16 years. Yeah. I I never called sick either. I, yeah. I got to be, I got to be legitimately ill. Yeah. Yeah. Since switching, since switching agencies, um, <clears throat> I don't think I've used, I don't think I've called off sick one day. I like my sick, my sick bank is right. full to the brim. I have a hard time. I, you know, I think it's a generational thing though. Yeah. I think like we're all too. of similar age and, uh, experience or and, lack thereof, and, I suppose, but work ethic and work know. ethic. Um, and it seems to me like the younger generation, even ones that are reliable and dependable and good, good guys, good gals, it, it's just a different mentality. Like, yeah. I don't feel good. I'm not coming in today. Or I got 12 hours. I'm using it. I got 12 hours of sick time. I'm just going to use it. Right. Whatever, like it's my sick time. I'll take it. Well, you know, and maybe they're the smart ones. Maybe yeah. that's why we're all, <laughs> yeah. that's why we're all fucked up <laughs> we're um, all and like... dead inside. <laughs> Well, that's why I have a big bank of it because I'm yeah. ready for an injury. Yeah, maybe the reason they're not dead inside is because they take days off. And yeah, we're all like <laughs> we just keep eating shit every single day. Well, uh, like the only time in the last, I I would say eleven years since I've had kids, the only time really that I've taken lengthy periods of time off was for taking care of kids. Like my one kid, kiddo, he broke his leg skiing a couple years ago, and he was out for a while. And like during COVID, I had to take time off because my kids were out of school. I had a, I was lucky enough for a period of time, like as an investigator that I was able to work from home. Like as long as I have Wi-Fi and a computer, like a work specific computer, I can get a lot of work done if I got a phone and a laptop. Um, and I was able to do that for a long period of time until they decided, you know, obviously I understand that that's not fair for the guys that work detention not fair for the guys that work patrol you know they can't do their fucking job from home so that's what it kind of came down to is like there's plenty of people that can't do that so you need to right. like f figure out how to work the covid time so i had to take time off and just sit here at home and that's when we quickly figured out it was like we're, we're not going to just sit at the house and be bored like we can still go outside yeah you know so my kids was like they hated the weeks because i'd switch off a week with my wife She'd come home and stay, work from home for a week, and then I'd come home and just be home for the week. And so they're doing Zoom classes and stuff. And I'm like, oh, it's a PE day. We're going to go outside. Yeah. And you're going to get PT. And they were like, we hate when dad's home because he makes us go outside and exercise. Like, I make him go, I'm going for a run, and you guys are coming with me. They hated it. They hated it. But it's probably more than they got in PE class. Right. So. Yeah, I'm getting about sick of the COVID stuff. Oh, man. It's PT. hard. Especially you get your vaccine i'm like why do i have to keep wearing my mask i didn't get it i did so i'm just like you were gonna get it anyway because you're still in the guard well like, it, <laughs> it was coming regardless oh, man it was it's voluntary that's not pushed like the flu shot okay that's I, the last time i got a flu shot was 2010 <laughs> no shit like that's how they i, put the I microchips haven't done in the you. i haven't done the vaccine i don't know if i'm necessarily opposed to it or not opposed to it I probably don't have any strong opinions about it. I'm just not out seeking it. Yeah, what I'm, either. What I'm, I'm just waiting for more research to come out, you know? For me, here, I don't pretend. I, I There was a time in my life where, where I, I spoke ignorantly on things I didn't know anything about. Um, and, I mean, I still do that occasionally, for oh, those of you that know well, me. But, uh, well, I'll do to a certain degree. Um, anymore, I'm at the point where I can say, I don't know shit about COVID. Right. I don't know what's true. I don't know what's false. I know that Facebook feeds me whatever it wants to feed me. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what's real. I don't know. So I have no idea. Um, what I know is I'm sick of not being able to travel. Sure. I'm sick of having huge traveler. Huge traveler. I, I missed out on Hungary, Croatia, uh, Romania, uh, uh, Greece. 
last year. Because you usually do like two or three trips a year, right? Yeah, I usually, yeah, I'll, I'll pack a backpack and disappear for two weeks. And uh, I'll try to hit two or three countries in that two weeks, backpack around, public sure. transportation, stay in hospital. And I know that you did. So name some of the, like in the last couple of years, that some of the places you've gone. Spain, Portugal, Morocco, Gibraltar, Peru, that's, that's Ecuador, right. yeah, Panama. Um, you did Iceland, Iceland, and Greenland, right? Or no, just Iceland? Didn't hit Greenland. Um, did you do Highway One in Iceland? No, no. Yeah. Um, I was only in Iceland for twenty-four hours. Sure. Um, and I planned that on purpose um, as a layover. I'm going to go back to Iceland, but I wanted to set foot in Iceland. Sure. So I planned, I specifically picked Iceland on a layover and made sure that I had that, that long layover so I could get there and, and go around. I did not get to enjoy Iceland the way I want to. Sure. But I spent a lot of time in Spain and Portugal. Yeah. I remember seeing your pictures because like you never, you know, you never, cause we're friends on social media and like we run into each other all the time. And then like all of a sudden I'll see on facebook that you're just posting pictures i'm like oh shit jake's out and about again right you know you just like vanish and next thing i know you're posting pictures on facebook and i'm like man i'm always so fucking jealous that like it's not that i don't have the means it's that you know trying to arrange for you know child care and everything else and yeah totally different situations yeah you know i got divorced i i have a great relationship with the ex sure um i have one kid um like I can, I can do it. Luckily. And you've got a pretty flexible schedule. And my schedule's patrol. real flexible. And because what's nice working patrol is that, you know, you can take a four day week off and you get basically eleven days. Like, yeah. And you're only using four days worth of vacation, but you've got eleven. You've got three on one side. Yeah. Actual four days you took off, and then another four days off on the other side. And I, I do not burn like you. It is. I burn vacation for trips. Right. I do not take vacation yep. days. For anything other than those trips, like I probably got 160 hours saved up now because of last year. Yeah, I, I mean, I could take I could take six weeks off right now if I wanted to and not lose money. Yeah, I tell um, that's one thing I tell people, new people. I'm like, man, use your PTO, use your comp time. Like, if you need it, use your sick time because I mean, I've been maxed out. Because once I get to a certain level of time and service with my agency, I stack more time. Yeah. Same with us. So like I'm over 10 years, so I'm stacking 12 hours a month and I'm like, man, I have to work to take that time off. Yeah, like, I can't it's wait until I get to like, that point. I have to take a vacation day every month or I'm losing time. When I left the sheriff's department, I had two and a half months worth of pay. The whole month I worked of March. Yep. All my comp time. Cause I never used it. Right. And all my vacation time. And they used to buy it out. Yeah, and then if I would have put 10 years in, they would have bought out my sick time. Yeah. So that's the only thing I didn't get to burn. But, I mean, they used to, like, they would come to people. I remember back in the day, they would come to people like, hey, you are maxed out on all your time. Like, we'll buy it out. Like, they would buy out your time, like, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I accrue so much sick time that I donate sometimes to people. Yeah, I generally do, too. And that was a thing that I, I used to gripe and bitch about because, you know, coming from the crew that I came from at the jail, like you had to be certification from the fucking corner that you're at the hospital dead to take time off. Like that's the way that my crew was kind of run. And I just held on to that mentality that like I'd show up to work and get sent home rather than call in sick. Right. And for years and years and years, I would gripe about people, you know, people like, Oh, and can you donate sick time for whatever? And I'd be like, man, if I don't get to use it, then fucking neither do you. Right. <laughs> And I held on to that mentality for several years until it was like, you know, dear friends of mine that were 
they'd got injured or they had something come up with a medical condition. They're like, Hey, I've run out of time. I'm looking for donations. And it was like, you know what? There's no reason for me to hang on to 470 fucking hours of right. sick time. <laughs> then I've like, I've been maxed Especially out. Especially when they're not going to buy it out yeah, from me or whatever. I've been maxed out at 470 on sick time forever. God, what did we max out on on sick time? It was like four. Well, it was unmaxed and they capped it at two. And then. Uh, now they just bumped it to like 400. Yeah. Yeah. And then PTO caps at 220. You just accrue it faster depending on years of service. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's how ours is too. I think it's, I think we cap out at 180 on cap, but then we get 40 hours of, you know, PTO or, um, and then holiday comp works out different because with us, with our agency, because if they expect that you'll be working for half the holidays a year. So they comp you 40 hours for holidays if mm. you're on shift work, but if you're eight to five, you don't get that. So I had to use that like, you know, last year because I hit like my two years and it's only good for two years after you leave shift work and get assigned to an mm. admin job, which I'm in now. So. Ours is just given to us. Everybody, everybody gets, if it's a holiday, you get eight hours. So right. we don't get time and a half on holidays when we work. Right. Um, That's the same with us. You just get the eight hours as well as the day you worked. If you're off, you get eight hours of straight pay. If you're working, you get your straight pay plus the eight hours. Yeah. And then if I, like we've had it happen where it's been a holiday and we get on a call out. And then it's always like a jug fuck trying to figure out, like, do I get overtime and right. a half? Like, overtime and then time and a half? Like, yeah. plus holiday pay? How does it fucking, like, whatever. I just submit my OT slip and hope for the best. Right. Well, and I can't, I bank everything. So all of my court time, oh, yeah. I put into my comp bank. That I don't be, ever take court time as pay. That would be really nice to get paid to go to fucking court. <laughs> right. Well, I don't get paid. Like, nice. our agency, we don't get paid to go to court unless even you're, if you're off duty. Yeah. Yep. Nothing. Nope. So. If you'll notice that, so they flex you if you're off duty. Um, if you got a good shift supervisor, I mean, technically you can't have to go to court as part of your job and not get paid. How do they? How do they do that? Yeah, if it's if it's like a prelim or something like that. Um, I feel like you I, know where it's a scheduled court date, then you can flex it. Like a lot of times they'll flex that out. Obviously, because it generally happens when you're on fucking nights when you get a prelim. Yeah. Oh yeah. But every time, uh, the way that we are trained is. If you're writing citations, you write those for a Tuesday or What if you Friday. got a trial, though? Like, what if you've got a trial yeah. on a day off? you got to yeah. get paid. Yeah. They'll they work it out. But probably with budgets and stuff, they want you it, to flex yep. it. Yep. You end up flexing yeah. it. But they don't have what we have, which is... No. Nope. The, ma- the guarantee. Like, yeah. you show up for 10 minutes of court, and you guys get paid it's for, a, what, I'll, two hours? Four hours. Four Holy hours. Fuck. Four hours of straight pay. And I'll tell you, here's what I do. This is my rule of thumb. If I get in my vehicle and start driving... To court. Oh, yeah. It's four hours. That's time. The second I'm in my vehicle driving to court, it's four hours. If I get in my vehicle and I'm driving there and they call and say, hey, prelims off, you don't need to come, and I turn around and go home, I'm billing four hours. Yep. As Um, you should. That's that's my rule. Now, if I'm at my house and I have not gotten ready yet, then sure, I won't won't bill for it. But my – oh, sorry, go ahead. I had a sergeant that's like, like, why – I got it, but I was only there 10 minutes, and they waived prelims. He's like, did you get up on your day off and shower and get dressed for court? I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay. Yeah. This is how I look at it, right? We don't get to ignore subpoenas. We don't get to ignore preliminary hearings. Yeah. So what if next Tuesday I want to drive to, you know, to Deadwood and uh, do a little gambling? Right. But then all of a sudden, tomorrow I get an email that says, hey, you have a prelim next Tuesday, and I have to cancel those plans. Yep. Um. That's four hours. Like, 
if 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 you haven't given me enough time to do my plans again, yep, you, I'm going to do four hours because you've ruined my day. Yep, and see, a lot of times now, like I've got the seniority in the the connections at circuit court and at the DA's office that when that shit comes up, when it's like, hey, I'm on vacation, like either I'm going to have somebody cover that prelim for me, or you're going to reschedule it because that's my time. Like, I don't expect you to come in on a Saturday yeah, when I'm, you're on vacation and do your fucking job and file that, you know, that subpoena or that affidavit that I sent up. Do I? You yep. know, that's that's my viewpoint. So I've, I've, I've gotten to the point where I draw a line in the sand. Like, listen, I don't expect you to go out of your way to do your job. You shouldn't expect me to do mine either. I've but, gotten I've gotten far enough in this career now where I'm I'm the same way. Yeah. If I'm out of town, I already had the plans, and all of a sudden something comes up, especially with Muni Court. Let's be honest. At the end of the day, I don't give a fuck. I don't I don't give a fuck if like the, hundred and twenty dollar if the hundred and twenty dollar ticket I wrote you five weeks ago or six weeks ago. I don't give a shit if it gets dismissed. Yeah. Like if anything, good on you. Yeah. Like you won. You want my advice? Go to court on everything. Yeah. Because but I, if but you I don't sh- if you don't show up for your court <laughs> on a trial day, or if you show up for court on a trial day and I'm not there, it's just gonna get dismissed. Yeah. Like there's no phone calls made. And you know what? Nobody really gives a shit. Side note, I posted the link on my Facebook. A guy in Oregon the other day got arrested for a DUI and blew all time like triple sevens, right? All time record high PBT score of 0.77. Jesus. And my tagline and comment to that was, eh, it'll get dismissed. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's funny. I mean, that's, that's where I'm at. Like, you know, if I'm going to be out of town, I'll call, I'll call the city prosecutor and say, Hey, I'm not going to be there. I'm out of town and I can't, I can't make it. Yeah. Um, like, you know, and well, what do you want me to do with it? Dismiss it. Like he wins. Right. I don't care if he actually shows up for his trial. Right. And I'm not there. Just dismiss it. I don't care. Good on you. You win. Yeah. What do I care? It's part of the, it's all part of the game. I mean, there's some guys, like, obviously the troopers that are listening to this are shitting their pants right now. Like, oh, what do you but, mean? Dismiss what? <laughs> dismiss it. I don't care. I mean, it's not like it's some, it's not a battery. It's not a domestic violence deal. It's not where there's a victim. Right. Who we want just, you know, we want to help get justice, right? It's improper registration. It's improper registration. So you didn't pay your, you didn't pay your, your exorbitant taxes to the state to register your vehicle. Right. So I wrote your ticket, you know, like whatever. Yeah, you win this one. Take that money That's and go like, register your vehicle. I had, I had this MIP, this kid that I, back when I worked patrol, um, I love I fucking loved spring break and summer break because it was like, man, I can go out and bust parties, like. And I had an intern, and I'm sure he's listening, and he was riding with our crew, like off and on for the over the course of several months, and he would always come ride on our crew because he liked riding with me and a couple other guys. That's when Johnny was still on patrol. Old Johnny. I miss Johnny. Dirty Johnny. And, Dirty uh, Johnny. He sends me a text. He's like $10,000 sniper rifle. <laughs> <laughs> he sends me a text and he's like, he's riding with somebody else that night, but he sends me a message. He's like, hey man, there's a, a party somewhere out in the county. It's on up on Snapchat. Like there's a big bonfire and a bunch of people partying. I'm like, well, let's go see if we can find it. So I'm just cruising around like by chance in this neighborhood that it's supposed to be in. And I cruise down because it's like one of these, it's set up like an old TV antenna. Like there's one road down the middle and then there's lanes that shoot off, you know, perpendicular to that. And uh, I drive up one way and I don't see anything while well, I turn around and I'm coming back and here's this bonfire. And it's like 200 yards away from my truck. So I stop in the middle of the road and I black out and just stop. I'm like, did they see me? 
did they see me? And they're all looking. You know, I could see all these kids like, oh, fuck, there's headlights over there. Like, is that a cop? Is that a cop? So I just sit and wait and wait and wait. And pretty soon they're like, yeah, fuck it. And they keep like, they dig the beer back out. And I'm watching all this through my binos. This was long before I had night vision. And so I'm watching this whole thing go down. So I'm like calling everybody else, sending out instant messages like, get the fuck crew up here. There's at least 12 kids. Like, they're going to run. Get me everybody up here. So we get everybody up there and we sneak in and like I black out and we roll into the yard and just sneak up around the back of this trailer house and there's all these kids and they're all standing there with beers and all the other kids like, listen, if you're honest and you tell me that you were drinking, like odds are I'm probably going to let you go. If you fucking lie to me and I saw you drinking, you're going to blow. Or you run. Or you run. Or you run your mouth. Right. Oh, I'm, you run your like, mouth. You're probably going to get I, I will let I will <laughs> let MIPs go all day because I just, unless you're belligerent well, being stupid, I just don't care that much. And I'm going to say most of the time, the punishment you're going to get from your parents is going to be more severe than what I can Right. I'll out. get a hold of parents. I'll release you to parents. And I'm going to say, Johnny was real cool. Yep. He didn't run. He wasn't an idiot. He yeah. was nice. He was respectful. Release him to his parents. Yep. I, I don't. Want to do paper on that? Yeah. And so this you start running your mouth, playing the whole, am I free to go? YouTube, where's your warrant <laughs> bullshit? You're going to blow and you're going to get a ticket. Yes. So this one kid, he's the no person in the group, you know, and I had watched him specifically through my binoculars drinking a can of beer, you know? So it starts out in the typical way. Okay. Everyone here who's under the age of 21, raise your hand and they, or over the age of 21, raise your hand. And they all raise their hands. I'm like, all right, let's try that again. You know, play the whole spiel. And this one kid's like, fuck you, man. I wasn't drinking. I'm like, I watched you with the two eyes that God gave me, you know, through 12 power binoculars from 150 yards away. Don't lie to me, you know, and he kept going, kept going. So I was like, okay, well, not only am I going to call your parents, but you're going to get an MIP too. Cause he blew, I mean, it was like a 0.07, you know, super low. And, uh, he fought it and fought it and fought it in court. And it just kept getting continued and continued for like six fucking months. This kid just would not drop it. So finally I was like, he's paid enough in attorney fees (laughs) (laughs) that like, or his parents have that have far exceeded any fine that he would have got. And he's done as much time in the courtroom as he would have done on community service. Right. Just so finally I was like, just fucking dismiss it. Like, I don't care. Cause it came up to where it was like. Hey, I was on vacation and they're like, Hey, we got that MIP that got scheduled that we sent you a subpoena for that that you never got, you know, same sort of thing. I'm like, I don't have fucking time for this. Um, yeah, but the, the things that you pick your battles, that's my, that's my sage, sage advice for, for court and tickets and everything else that happened. Well, this actually was four days ago and I just got it. I love getting subpoenas that are three days old and you're like. Yeah, I you know I've kind of it hasn't bit me yet. Um, I'm sure it will. I kind of have a rule like I have never ever ever in my career had to testify in court and not have spoken with the DA first. I've well, done it once. Well, Muni's different. Muni, yeah. like Muni's different. You show up and there's a trial and like literally talk about it at that point. Right. But I have never had to. What's that? There's a oh god, it's a animal. Lives in Australia, can stands up on two legs. It's got a pouch, hops around. <laughs> kangaroo. Yes, that's <laughs> municipal court. <laughs> kangaroo court. 
Um, <laughs> is, it, is it a marsupial? Yeah. yeah. Yes. I, but, as, you know, as far as like in district or like, so I have never testified in, in circuit district or federal court right. where I have not spoken to the prosecutors first. Right. We have had pretrial meetings. Oh, yeah. So That's if, how I, if I have a subpoena for circuit or district court and nobody has called me, nice. I haven't spoken with a district attorney, I just, I don't even look, I don't even call the trial out, I don't even show up. Yep. Um, because there's no way they're putting me on the stand to testify in a trial without talking to somebody first. Yep. Now. Or they shouldn't. My advice is don't do that. I'm an idiot, and that's going to bite me in the ass. I'll probably catch paper one of these days for missing court, but um, it hasn't failed me yet. Well, mm-hmm. If it's big enough, they'll bring you up to talk to you. Yeah. Right. Like, you're I, you're never, ever, ever going to not testify in court for the most part. Sure. Not here. I mean, I, I can't speak to every place, but. Right. Um, so if you, and also, if you don't have the common courtesy to reach out to speak with me about what we're going to testify about first, then um, I doubt that it's going to trial. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. So last episode, I was talking with Lisa and Kate. They came over and uh, did an episode and we were talking the subject of mental health. Which, came up. which Kate? West w- agency our, to our, our Kate. West Kate or our your Kate? Kate? Yeah. Okay. And that came up too. the the two different Kates. Um, tale of two Kates. Yeah. And, uh, the subject of mental health came up and we were talking about it, about how I was struggling at one point and there was a couple people that I got some super sage advice on mental health in our line of work from that kind of came from an unexpected place. And one of those people was you. Yeah. And it was like, we were, it came up one day that I, um, you know, I, it's not a secret that I. I was going through some struggles and I had a panic attack and didn't quite know what was going on and freaked out about it. And we were talking in conversation and you were like, bro, like, welcome to, you know, your mental health awakening. Yeah. And I, that changed my life. Like hearing it from you and a couple other people, um, that I won't name cause they're not here to defend themselves or talk about it. Um, that was a game changer. Like I have peers, you know, that are, Alpha males, you know, A type personality guys out here doing the same job I'm doing, being proactive and busting their ass, and they're struggling with mental health just like I am, and it's okay. And that was game changing for me to like know that I had other because you know we talk about it all the time in our line of work that mental health is you got to take care of yourself. You nobody actually to. does. Yeah, and that's the still, issue. Everybody says take care of yourself, and then they right, and they and don't do anything about it. You do as I say, not as I do, type of thing. But at the same time, like hearing it from other people, you know, that like, Hey, I got problems too. You know, like we don't always talk about it, but we're all going through the same shit. Right. And everybody listening to this in our line of work is nodding their head right now or they better be. Oh yeah. And it builds up. Oh yeah. Like you don't spend, you don't spend your entire adult life in the military and fire and EMS and law enforcement. Yep. And you don't get some issues that need to be dealt with. Yeah. You know, I think the biggest problem for me is, uh, you know, I've got friends, and again, I won't. You know, I won't say anything just because they're not here to defend themselves, right? But they're self-admitted. You know, like sure, I have issues, but they just will not. Yep. Seek help, and uh, I think as a friend, that's the hardest thing to see because you can't make somebody want to get yeah. help, and you hope that they don't hit uh, a a rock bottom that destroys their career or their or families yep. um, before they realize they need help, and that's yeah. That's I've reached out a couple of times. Yeah. We have a there's friend I worked with at the jail. 
And I, we were both in the tower one day by ourselves. And I'm like, hey, man, I've seen a problem here. Yeah. And he was like, you're right. And I said, I'll go with you. If you want to go, I will go with you. Yep. Your first time to be there. And he's like, if you're going to do that, then I'll do it. Yep. And a lot of times that's all it takes is just a good buddy check. Yeah. Bill. We, yeah. Bill. Yeah. Trooper Bill. Yeah. That he was the one that, uh, that pushed me in that way. Yeah. He essentially said, like, cause I had reached out cause I mean, he's only, he's what, like the most decorated <laughs> trooper in the history of troopers it was interestingly put on there so on our he's a good friend of ours um he's gonna be on the show eventually i love that guy he's been apprehensive about it but he's an ass and we'll get him on the show but um they did a thing on their facebook where he got an award because he helped out and saved a couple kids lives because he's a badass yeah and uh they you know they credited him on that on that big Facebook post in the award saying that he just happens to always be in the right place at the right time. And I was like, you know, in our line of work, we call that a shit magnet. Yeah, shit magnet. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's true. Love the guy dearly like a brother, but it's, and he just like, he gets it heaped on occasionally. Yeah. You know, and I, yeah, I mean, he's got, he's got what, four or five combat crosses from, uh, I think it's more from than the that. troopers. I think it's more than that. So, you know, like two weeks ago, high-speed chase, yeah. a little bit of standoff. You know who was driving down? He was there. Yeah. He was Drive in his dog. Just driving so his dog down. The I, yeah. I happened to, I was there. there. I showed up right after everything was kind of resolved, and I didn't see him, like, in the confusion because I had to switch from, you know, tactical response to investigator response, like, you know, at the drop of a dime. And I missed him, like, but somebody else was like, yeah, I heard this voice behind me. Like, you know, it's all right, whatever. And they turn around and here's Bill. And uh, Bill has the unfortunate, you know, moniker of having been attached to numerous officer-involved shootings. And that deputy turned around and sees Bill. And he's like, oh, we're definitely going to fucking kill this guy. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, no, not always. But <laughs> well, he just happened to be passing through. Yeah, so. Just- I shoot him a message. I was like, man, you look too good to say hi. He's like, yeah, I'm back in your fucking county for 15 minutes and I've got a tweaker at gunpoint. Like, that's yeah. why I left, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that guy. Well, he, uh, the very first time I thought I was, like, going to get fired. Yeah. Um, was that? <laughs> the very first. The first time. Of I many. don't know if that was the first time. That was the time. Let's just say it was a real long drive back. I had, uh, I tried to make a traffic stop on a, on a, big neon shitbag sign right and he ran right um and this is when i was with the other agency and mm-hmm. i pursued him um and i got called off by my supervisor but basically told like terminate but you can follow because there were a bunch of other right. agencies and units kind of kind of watching sure um and the agency i work for now one of the sergeants uh reinitiated the pursuit and they took off ended up in the interstate and we stayed with the vehicle until the troopers got in it. Oh, okay. And once the troopers got chase it, because the they'll fucking chase till the wheels fall off. fall off. And they were they were they were southbound. Oh, okay. Um, so okay. at that point, like it's troopers all day, right? Sure. So once troopers got in it, we backed off. I turned around, and I'm doing the 15 mile drive back, and 
I'm listening to all the traffic and I'm hearing uh, dudes northbound or southbound in the northbound. He's trying to hit, he's trying to head on cars. I hear another trooper say, all right, deadly force. Like if he's trying to head on cars, end it. Oh yep. yeah. I Got, was, so I was up, but I think I was on the task force. You I were so inter- interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, end it. And then another trooper gets ahead and they're basically like, if he's trying to head on cars, shoot them like deadly force. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. they light the yeah. car up as they drive by and then old trooper bill. Um, I think they try to pit him or ram him or a little, a little, I think it was a little of both. both. And then he and his brand new, brand new SUV rams this car. And I'm listening to this. I started it and I am driving back. <laughs> and I remember being at 75 or 80 miles an hour driving back. And then I start listening to all this and I'm hearing like, Shots fired, shots fired, and then I hear pit him, and then I, I hear Bill get on the radio, and he's like, um, get units over here and pinned in the vehicle. Right. And people are like, we ran him, get life flight. Like, we got a trooper down. And I hear Bill on the radio saying he's pinned. Um, and before it clicks, I'm doing like 20 miles an hour on the interstate. Um, and they're so far away at this point, though, right. that like turning around isn't an option. And, uh, and I'm like, I'm getting, I'm getting fucking fired. Yeah. Like I, I started this and I don't know if I fucked up. Right. But there's like, like people just got shot and there's troopers pending vehicles. Like I should have just fucking cold that night. I should have just fucking not tried to stop that car. Right. And, uh, so I'm driving back and I, I call my supervisor on the phone cause I don't want to get on the radio and he answers. And if he's listening, he knows exactly who it is. <laughs> he may or may not be an instructor at a certain place now. Um, <laughs> Um, I call him on the phone and he doesn't even say anything um, initially. Like he doesn't say hello. He goes, uh, yeah, you're definitely out of service. Come back to the PD. Yeah. Right. So I get back to the PD and I'm like, am I an admin leave? Like what's going on here? And he's like, no, but you need to start fucking typing. Right. Right. And so it all ended up being good. And it's funny that you say you were on the task force at that time. Yeah, because how rem- long after that? I was so, on the task force interviewing yeah. you for an officer involved shooting. Well, no. Um, so I worked that shooting. I remember it was fucking cold that night. I was freezing. Um, so shortly after that, I remember interviewing you during your officer For- involved shooting. <laughs> 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 and then flip side to that several years later, two years later. Yeah, you're right. Two, two or three years later, you were interviewing me right. as a task force officer when I was involved in an officer involved Because it was you shooting. and Brad. Yeah. You and Brad interviewed me yep. on my shooting. Yep. Um, and then two years later, you and I'm you, interviewing you. Was, who was, who else? It was one of the, God. I can't remember who it was. Anyway. Uh, yeah, it was, and we commented about it during the I'm interview. Like, my, my, like, my, how the, how the, how turn the tables. tides have turned. Yeah. <laughs> how the turntables. Uh, you want to talk about your shooting? Uh, yeah. I mean, okay. Pretty, uh, pretty straightforward. Yeah. I, I would say that of all of the shootings I've ever seen, that one like even the local shitbags who hate cops. Yeah. On Facebook. So for people that don't know about it, it was live streamed to Facebook. Yeah, from the the neighbor was in the the uh, neighbor basically outside their bedroom window. The, for, yeah, so the neighbor the neighbor was probably 20 feet from me. Yeah. Um live streaming it to Facebook. Yeah. And live streamed the whole thing. Yeah. And so that went viral immediately. Yeah. Um and even the local shitbags who hate cops were like yeah, that one looks good, <laughs> right? So, I would say for to be to be involved in 
um, in that as the shooter, right? Um, I'm not real opposed to the fact that that guy live streamed it because there was no question. It was an independent live stream yeah. and from who didn't even like cops in the first place. Yeah. And as the outside investigating agency, like once we got that information, it was like roll that tape, you know, and we watched it and it was like, there's pretty much no question here. Um, yeah. I mean, like when you have it live streamed to Facebook that the dude comes out, raises a gun and starts shooting it and then gets shot. Like, yeah. And he had been shooting at officers. He'd already shot, yeah. Yeah, so he shot up a whole neighborhood. Um, basically, this guy goes off his rocker, loses his shit, um, comes outside of his house and just starts shooting up the neighbor's house. I mean, just walks down the side of the house. Multiple neighbor's houses, yeah. didn't he? There was numerous, I think there was four different houses that he shot up. Mm-hmm. One of which had a kid inside of it with a grandma, like yep. laying over the top of the kid while rounds were coming through the house. Yeah, so they obviously called 911. The neighboring agency that both these guys work for showed up, and immediately those guys set up, or you know, they set up down the street and immediately start taking fire from this guy as he comes out of the door and starts lighting him up. And, and that's when you back were back into his house. Yeah, and that's when you were still working for the other agency at that point in yep. time. And being the proactive hotshot that you are, you're like, eh, I'm going to start drifting that way. Well, so I was drifting. It's funny. I mean, it's not funny, but um, <clears throat> I had just built and qualified on a new rifle that mm-hmm. I made specifically. So I had I had two rifles. I had I had a, a just a regular AR, right. kind of just your, your regular entry gun, right, with just an aim point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had just built a new rifle with a match-grade barrel on it, 223 wild, right, um, and a 1-4 f- a power and a bipod. <laughs> yep. Um, and I was real proud of that. It was, I'm like, man, this is a perfect, like, perimeter yep. be able to see longish gun longish gun just a dmr uh, you know a designated marksman rifle um and i was doored up with uh, i was doored up with him and i'm like bro you got to check out the rifle i just finished just got a qual like it's got it in the trunk like mm-hmm. i think i've had it for a week now and i'm like real proud of this gun and he checks it out and you know looks through the scope and he's like man that's a that's a that's a useful gun like if you ever need that that's going to be useful right and no fucking shit six hours later They've got guys saying, "Can we? We can't see in the house. We can't see in the house." They took fire. They took rounds. Yep. And gets on the radio, uh, and he's like, "You know, he calls my badge number out or my 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 number," uh, and he's like, "Get him over here. He's got a scoped rifle." Yep. Because he was down there. He was down there, and so because we'd had that conversation, he's like, "We need to get a scoped rifle here because it takes yep. you know SRT a while to get out." Yeah. To get the especially even then too the the team was still a good team, but the sniper program wasn't. Set up the way it is now. You didn't have yeah, the quick response different. stuff. It was different. And I don't think, if I remember right, we didn't have any SRT guys working that night. Um, If I remember right. And. Yeah, there were no guys on duty. Right. Well, and, and that's. So and it the, happened so fast that oh, there wasn't yeah. time to get a call out. Well, set from up. the time the call came out to the time that I fired was like. 20 minutes or something so um but he just knew that i had that and as soon as he said that on the radio though i'm like i'm like this is happening yeah so they called immediately Mm -hmm. um and i was already floating that way right so when i got there um they knew i had a scoped rifle um so i got pushed over to a a different section of the perimeter i basically linked up with another guy who doesn't work here anymore and we went through an alley yep. and then snuck up between two houses in the dark and then set up in an area where there were no lights, nothing. Yep. Um, 
and I was only 60 yards away with a four-power option. 72. Was it 72? <laughs> yep, we measured it. Yeah, so 72 <laughs> yards with a with a four power optic is right. you know, I could I could see quite a bit. Yeah, and there was I mean obviously the front of his house was all lit up with spotlights from patrol yeah, cars. Yeah, so it was and lit up, and, and you know I was able to see hands and everything, and then yeah. Um, so then when he finally reemerged like the third time, only this time with a gun and yep. raised it and started shooting, he got he got shot back. Yeah. Um. So just kind of it just and then I lost my. Rifle, brand new rifle for like three, or, three or four months, yeah, something like that. I got yeah, I remember like talking to you, and you're like, "I'm not, you know," because it was all one of those questions that I always ask, you know, because we always talk with talk with guys on and off the record, you know, doing those interviews, and it was like, "Are you okay? How are you doing? You know, doing those buddy checks," and you were like, "I'm just pissed that I lost my rifle, my brand new <laughs> rifle." Like, you know, it was one of those things where I I'd, I'd never been involved in a you know, an, an officer-involved shooting prior to that, you know, so I didn't really know how things were going to go. I've talked to sure. guys. But, you know, in that moment, like, as soon as it was done, as soon as it happened, you know, I think some people have that thought, like, oh, my God, did I screw up or whatever. And I think my first thought was, like, all right, am I good? Like, did I just do the right thing? Right. And I kind of go through those checks, and I'm like, nah, he came out with a gun. He was shooting, and I shot him. Like, what other choice did I have? Right. right? So my first thought was, like, okay, no, I'm good. And then immediately after that, I'm like, he was shooting at us. Like, I'm not worried about this at all. Sure. Like, it doesn't get any more clear cut than that. And yeah. then when I saw that Facebook video, because I didn't know that existed until yeah. the next day. Yep. I Because I got in. I told myself I wasn't going to go on Facebook. Yeah. But I did because I'm stupid. And that's still, like, me being on the outside of all of that now and not investigating officer-involved shootings. Like, I still go in and read the comments, which is, and it instantly pisses you off. Every time. Like, these fucking window lickers, like, they don't know shit about shit. They don't yeah. know, like, they offer in their, the words of Scott, Deputy Scott from, you know, our last episode, they don't know shit from apple butter. <laughs> but, oh, man, you can't not go in there and kind of sift through right. some of that shit sometimes. Yeah, I knew I was good when I went in and started reading the comments, and not one comment was like, fuck the police, yeah. or that's bullshit. Like, everybody in those was like, mm, well, you shoot at people you get shot back yeah and i think what helped in that one is that the the news release right away was that like this guy came out and was shooting into random innocent people's houses yeah nobody seems to care when we get shot at mm -hmm. but they're shooting at innocent people now it's now it's a bad deal so the fact that he was shooting at innocent people and then he got live streamed shooting at yeah. us and then got and then, shot even live even getting even shot. the cop blockers were like no this one's good <laughs> <laughs> this one seems good i don't have an issue yeah. with that one not so that, not that we have such a you know, large community of local cop blockers where we're at anyway. There's some, but most of them are just Facebook. It's, it's the same cop people. blockers. Yeah. 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 So that one was pretty clear cut. I never had an issue with that one. Um, I don't know why, you know, I asked that question when I finally reached out and had my breakdown moment and needed to go get some help, but mine was triggered by that crash. Oh yeah. yeah. That, that, uh, that was, yeah. That killed that little girl. That was a rough one, man. That I know a lot of people had problems with that. Yeah, I don't know if that was just the final straw. I, th I mean, I think it was. Like, that one, I spent about a month. That's where that's where Trooper Bill came in. And yeah. I told him, I'm like, I'm having some issues, like, big issues. And yep. he told me he was, I he, like, he set me up with the person that he saw. Yep. And he said, you don't really have an option. Like, you either go or I'm going to drag you there. Yep. But you're going to go. And I'm glad he did because... Yep. I like I was sinking really, really fast. Yeah. 
But I always ask myself after that moment, I'm like, why didn't I feel bad about shooting that guy? And I, you know, in the, the, obviously, you know, you get into an officer involved, you got to go talk to a counselor before you can go back to work. Right. And I even asked her, like, I don't feel bad about it. Like, why, why, sh- I feel like I should. Like, what kind of shitty person am I that I, <laughs> right. that I dumped this dude and I don't feel bad about it? Um, and she's like, that's pretty normal. Like, yeah. the guy was shooting at innocent people, was shooting at you guys. And like, for you, it was just a thing you had to do. Right. So that's how, that's how I looked at it, you know, and like being, it still is just funny to me the, the way the circumstances worked out that, you know, come, what was it? Two years later, two years later, I'm interviewing yeah. you in an officer involved shooting. Yeah. Which I, I didn't actually shoot anybody, but I was right there when it happened and it was like. Well, that guy needed shot too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like it was very similar circumstance. Yeah, like, I mean, the truth is, it's just some people need to get shot. Yeah, and that one, like, hell, I was off duty. I was off the clock at the I time know. when that one happened, and it was still like, yeah, well, it is what it is. Yeah, not much I can do about it. I just happened to be in the right place and see the guy right after I'd clocked out. I and, was on duty for two of them. Yeah, yeah, both both were on my shift. Yeah, you yeah. were on the one. Uh, yeah. 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 And then the one with uh uh that one too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Parade day one. Yeah. 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 Sweet. I'm in I'm on YouTube. It's, it's in my, I'm in my car. You can some of the uh video footage from my dash cam. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. And I was like third. Yeah. I was like third there. And there I, was two other I, So, there. yeah, and I investigated that one on the task force. Oh, yeah, that's I right. I got, I'll tell you what, I had the really unfortunate uh, luxury of investigating shooting. Right. Um, But that's because I wasn't working. I wasn't a task force officer for, th- for that agency. I was with oh. a different agency. Yeah. So I could take an active role in the investigation because yeah. I wasn't part of that agency. I was still yeah. an exterior agency. So I played that game a couple times. I, I worked... I think seven officer involved shootings in three years. Yeah, we had a lot as a, as a task one. force officer. I'm trying and to that's, I, I We did, um, one, you know, two, there was a couple three, that were out. Four? Yeah. Four in a year and a half. Yeah. And there were some that were, you know, outside of our jurisdiction that, you know, as a task force guy, you cover multiple counties. Um, so there was a few outside of that. But like my first autopsies were officer involved shooting autopsies. Yeah. And now, like I was talking to Shannon earlier for you showed up and it was like, man, I don't even, I've lost count on how many autopsies I've gone to, but those were the first ones. And being as that they were shootings, I'm, you know, I've been a hunter for years, you know, and seeing external ballistics as it applies to an officer involved shooting and use of force. You know, like I went to an officer involved shooting was like, that guy got shot in the back. I was like, that guy fucking shot him in the back. No. Well, yes, he shot him in the back as the guy was falling down. Right. Like he shot him, he shot him forward first right and then as the guy's falling yeah, and turning or, or twisting and turning away twisting and turning and catches around you know, but people don't understand like, how fast that happens it's so i mean mm-hmm. being involved in an officer involved shooting and seeing like having auditory exclusion and seeing how i mean microseconds nanoseconds how fast that shit happens and goes down yeah. that you don't even you're not even thinking you're just reacting yeah you know, and talking with other people that have, you know, been there, been involved in shootings, that's, it can go one of two ways. Either, like, it happens so fast that they barely remember it, 
or everything slows down so microcosmally slow. That's mine. Yeah, mine was, I remember like going through a whole thought process like, oh, he's coming out of that. Oh, he's got a gun. Right. Oh, he's raising the gun. Yeah. And then I, and then I'm like, I think I'm going to have to shoot him. Yeah. I think he's shooting and I can see the recoil, but I can't hear anything. Yep, I remember you saying that. Like uh-huh. I can see the gun cycling. I see the gun cycling. I see the muzzle flash. I see the gun. I'm like, he is shooting that gun, but I couldn't hear it. And that I think was a delay I had because I'm like, is he actually shooting? And then I'm like, wait, it doesn't matter. And then I, I'm like, you know, and I, and I, I take my shot cause I wasn't being shot at. Right. So it was a well-aimed, well-placed fundamentally, Right. You know, sound shot. As we're trained. As we're trained, and I fired my shot, and I didn't hear my gun go off. Right. Um, I felt the recoil, but I unequivocally did not hear a single thing. Yep. Um, the first thing I heard after that was the sound of him yelling as he fell down. Yeah. Um, and then after a little bit, when it all started to come to, then... My ears started ringing. Right. And then I'm like, okay. And you're like, why are my ears ringing? Like, oh, yeah. 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 It's was, it was super weird. And I think the other thought I had was like, um, holy shit, that worked. Oh, yeah. You know, like he was shooting at people and then I shot and then immediately it was folded up, fell down and stopped shooting. And I'm like, I think that, I think that was one of my first thoughts was like, holy shit. I, that, I stopped him from holy doing whatever shit, he was Holy shit, that doing. worked. Like. Yeah. I just didn't, it's just, it's super weird. It's a kind of a weird feeling. Yeah. It's such a weird, like in the moment the what your brain is processing, you know, um, because I was, when I responded to mine, I, like I said, I was off duty. So I was in my civilian vehicle. I was still in uniform. Yeah. Cause um, you were on your way home. I was on my way home and I spotted this guy that, uh, cause you called it in. Yeah. So that shooting was your fault. <laughs> I tried it. So we were having massive radio problems at that point in time. Like what our, one of our microwave repeaters had gone down and nobody in the county's portables or portable radios would not work. So I see the guy and I had just called dispatch five minutes before that to check out a service on my phone. So I'm cruising along and I, you guys, you were involved in the chase and the pursuit, Shannon. Yep. Um, chasing that guy around because he had waved and he had an AR, was waving around in an apartment, was saying he was going to kill people. So PD goes over there and they're chasing this dude around, and uh, they lose him a couple times because he's hauling ass. He's in a little sports car and he's losing everybody and he's driving like an asshole through downtown. And they called off the pursuit I think two or three times because they had reinitiated and found him. It was basically one of those, like, we need to stop this dude because he's going to either kill himself or somebody else because he's just the way he's acting, the shit he's doing. And because uh, I had been uh, over in your old agency's area, you know, getting fuel, getting ready to go home off a night shift. So it's 6.30 in the morning. So we go in to have briefing, and I come out, and I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot to check out. So I call on the phone, check out a service. I'm driving home, and he blows by me this guy in this car on one of our major streets. I'm like, holy shit, that's the guy. So I'm like, he doesn't know I'm a cop. He can't see me in uniform. I got good tint on my windows. I'm just going to follow him until I can get somebody over here. So first thing I do is turn on my portable because I'm like, well, I got that. It's faster than my phone. And I get the donk. It's like, fuck me. It's fucking radios. And I was so bad. So I finally get on the phone with one of our dispatchers. And I'm trying to relay, I'm like, just shut the fuck up. 
and relay exactly what I'm saying over the radio. She's like, who is this? And so I tell her, I'm like, it's me. I give her my call sign. I'm like, just stop talking to me. Just relay it. All I need you to do, don't ask word. me any fucking questions. Just relay exactly what I'm saying over the radio. So finally it clicks with her. She's like, switches into dispatch room. Oh my God, okay. So she's relaying what I'm saying. And I'm like, be sure to tell him I'm down the street, like a block up the street in my personal vehicle. I'm still in uniform. I'm going to jump out as soon as they show up because I don't want, because the dude jumped out and like ran into a convenience yeah. store, left the car sitting there. So I'm like, Tell that whoever one officer shows up that I'm going to be coming, but I'm in a personal vehicle. She's like, okay. So I'm parked down the street and I'm facing the wrong way, like opposite from there. So I'm watching him in my rear view. He gets out, runs inside, and here comes a PD car. And I'm like, oh, fuck. So I'm trying to get turned around in my big old pickup, trying to do a U-turn in the middle of the street. So I drive through somebody's fucking yard, you know, like doing this asshole U-turn. And I'm trying to get up there as the other officers like gets out and he's making his approach on the car by himself with his gun out and I'm like, fuck, 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 trying to get up there. And I see the dude come around the corner and I'm still half a block away. So I punch it and I'm screaming up there in my, my model, making model a truck. The door won't open if it's not in park, you know, like, and I can't, and I just bought it like two years before that and never drive the fucking thing. Cause I always had a POV before that or a G ride before that. So I throw it into park at like 30 miles an hour. You know, it does that, that as it's rolling. To, I'm trying to get my door open right as the guy comes around the corner. And my view is kind of obstructed until I get like I'm getting out and I see um, the officer giving him commands. So like guns up, you know, he's pointing his gun at him, officer giving commands. And then I see I see and hear him shooting, but it's super muffled because I'm like getting out of the truck. And as the guy's falling down, I see a gun in his hand and I'm like, Oh fuck. But I thought there was other people in the car still. So I'm running up and I can't remember what I said, but I was like on you, on you, on you. And you could see it on his dash cam video. He turns around and looks at me like, where the fuck did you come from? Cause obviously it didn't get out on the radio that I was yeah. right there. And I called the whole thing in. And so he turns around like, where the fuck did you come from? It was like, are you good? He's like, yeah, I'm good. And then we, and then here like, comes an ice agent. Yeah. Who just happened to see yeah, it going down he was completely like, uninvolved. Yeah. And he, was he like, runs up on it too. Yeah. And it's like, where, like we got three agencies on this and, and, so this and, and the officer didn't know that two of them were even there. And I felt so bad because that's my neighborhood convenience store, right? That's where I go in the morning when I'm getting a cup of coffee, when I was headed to work, like buy my cigarettes there, everything. Like I'm on first name basis with the clerk. She's a great lady. She worked with my wife for a period of time. Like she's a friend of ours. So she comes out around the corner, like as we're covering down on this dude, moving up to him and he's laying there on the ground and she comes around the corner and I'm like, go the fuck back inside and yell at her, you know, and she's like, <laughs> runs away. And, uh, so then I'm like, well, shit, I should probably check if there's anybody else in the store. So I go back in there and she's like hunkered down in the office, like with the door shut. Like, I don't know what's going on, but I ain't fucking coming out until you guys tell me it's safe. Like, okay. So, you know, a couple of days later, after everything settled down, I went in there and talked to her. I was like, I'm really sorry for yelling at you. She's like, no, it's okay. I understand. She's like, you guys had a lot of shit going on. Like, I, I heard the shots and came outside to see what was going on because that guy came in and was being an asshole, you know. And then next thing I know, here he is, shot by the cops. And I was like, well, I'm sorry for yelling at you. Right. And she's still, yeah. to this day, when I see her every once in a while, she'll bring that up. Like, well, at least you're not yelling at me today with a gun pointed at me. I'm like, right. hey, shit happens. 
but it's yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a, a different situation. Yeah, Bill, when uh, when uh, when uh, gotten his, oh yeah, well, and Bill, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, at the same time, yeah, together, uh, when that guy tried to run him over, yeah, uh, I I remember, oh, where was I? I was on leave. I was on admin leave for my shooting. Oh, yeah. Still, when that happened. Yeah, because it was like soon right after, after that. Um, I got a call from Bill, who, by the way, was just in his like 700th shooting. <laughs> um, and he's like, hey, your boy's here on scene. Uh, this just happened. Um, you might want to swing out here, just hang out with him. Right. Um, just kind of like a... You know, I've been in this situation before. You're on admin leave for your shooting. You guys are friends. You should probably come out here. Yeah. So I rolled out there and uh, and hung out with them. And, you know, Bill's just like, well, on to the next one, right? Just, yeah. um, you know, but I remember I remember hanging out during that, just showing up just to be like, hey, what do you need? You need me to call your wife? You need me to, yeah. like, everybody's good. You're good. Cool. Like, I just went through this. Like, um, I don't know what your guys' policies are. Like right now, you need to decide. You want to talk. You want you like you want to interview. You want to wait. Yeah. Like, um. And I believe the I believe the patrols policy at the time was like twenty four hours or something yeah. like that. Which is you know, it is what it is, man. Take all the time you need. Yeah. I tell everybody all the time. Like if I was ever if I was ever involved in one, you, you know, if I if I knew it was good, but you know, there were some elements of that where you know, especially with the political climate right now. Yeah. Like there's a good possibility now if it were to happen to me now. Um, I might say like, listen, I like, I'll give you all the info you need for the safety stuff. Yeah. But I'm going to go ahead and get an attorney yeah. that I pay for already through FOP. Mm-hmm. Um, before I, before I sit down and talk. Yeah. Um, not because I have anything to hide, but because I just want to be covered. Sure. So yeah, I man. think, yeah, I think if I was ever in a situation like that again, um, I might, but in mine, it was so fucking clear cut that yeah. I'm like, Psh, Let's get this shit over with. Yeah. You know, like one minute I'm looking for a suicidal guy on a bridge and the the next minute looking at my dick while I piss into a cup <laughs> because I just shot somebody. You know what I mean? Yep. So that's, uh, it's, it's such a weird, yeah. Funny story about that. You'll have to ask about this too. Um, you probably said something about it. Do you ever make fun of my disgusting piss? <laughs> I don't remember. He may have. He like, didn't. He didn't say dude, anything about my dude. We had so many fucking shootings like in a row. Okay, so he didn't say anything. So you know, per standard stuff like photos, evidence. Yep. Piss into a cup. Check for talk screen stuff like that. I don't know what the fuck it was. I don't know if it was like a massive adrenaline dump. I don't know if it was. I I like. I don't know if I had like a thirty minute fucking kidney infection. Right. <laughs> like I've been drinking water. Like I feel like I was pretty healthy. Um. I go in to take a piss for the talk screen and my fucking piss comes out like brown <laughs> and smelly. Like it stinks. Um, and it looks like, it looks like like four day old apple juice that had been sitting on the counter, like apple cider. And as it's coming out, I'm like, what the fuck? Right, so I'm peeing into this like, cup. I feel like this shit hurt. I'm like, I'm like, what is wrong with my piss? Right. So I get done and I set it up and it's like, Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> right. And my first thought is like, he's going to think this is fake piss. Like I'm trying to hide something. Right. I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with my piss, dude. He's like, that's the most disgusting piss <laughs> I've ever seen in my whole life. And that's been a pretty, pretty uh, funny ongoing joke. He, 
I don't remember that. Ask him next time you see him. I be will. like, be like, hey, Jake and I were talking. He said, uh, <laughs> he said when he peed into a cup after the shooting, it looked like he was pouring like fucking Guinness into a cup. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we had to, like we had a run there, and they came in threes, you yeah. know, and it was like every probably six months to a year we'd get a run of threes, and we knew as soon as we get one, we're like. Well, just be geared up and ready for the next two because they're coming. Yeah. And never failed. Like, they would come in threes. It's just nuts. Yeah. It was uh, it was wilder for a while. Yeah. But then um, shortly, I mean, you did, I lose track of, it's hard to keep track of other dudes sometimes. And then you went up to the task force after that and then transitioned over to the other agency. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I think I went to the task force in 18 and my shooting was in 16. Yeah. Um. And then while I was on the task force, there were like, fuck, four or five. Yeah. And then transferred over to the PD. Yeah. And I think since I came to the PD, so we've only had one. Yeah. Not yeah. Wood. Um, For sure. Right? Only one, Jake. That uh, In August. In August. Oh, yeah. I think hadn't had anyone before that. Yeah. Um, Luckily. But, I mean, like, when you made the transition, like, you were already very well known as a proactive guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That... You know, you're you're going out, you're making stops, you're looking for shit to get into, you're looking for dope. Um, that's one reason why, you know, we're interested in going to the task force at the first place because we had talked about it. I remember mm-hmm. you t- talking to me about going up there, um, and I knew you'd be a great fit. Um, but you, you very quickly is like, I hear you on the radio all the time, all the fucking time. Like, I know when Jake's working because he's on the radio, he's working, he's humping calls, he's being proactive, he's digging shit up. Like, if I need to know who's who in the zoo yeah. and I'm trying to find info on somebody, I can call you. Yeah, and a lot like, of, uh, if you don't a lot know, of send me a back. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you don't know the person that I'm talking about, then they're probably not into anything. You know what I mean? As an investigator, like, hey, I got a lead on so-and-so for a burglar or whatever. If I reach out to you, they're like, well, they ain't doing it in... in yeah. So, well, the task force helped with that. Just, just source management. Yeah. You know, on patrol, you don't work informants. Right. I mean, you know that, but, but you learn as a narcotics guy, how to get sources, how to work informants. Sure. And that transfers to the patrol world all day. And I mean, we're lucky enough to work for an agency that, that is on board with that. Right. We don't have an agency that says you get them with a meth pipe, they go to jail no matter what. Right. Um, you know, it ends with you get a meth pipe, the meth pipe goes into evidence. Gone right. are the days of throwing the pipe into the river. Yeah. Right. It goes into evidence. But, you know, uh, people don't people don't get that. Like, if I catch, you know, Joe Shipbag with a meth pipe and Joe Shipbag has some information, you know, I want to blow my load on a on a on 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 a meth pipe and put him in jail and say, fuck yourself. Like right. or, you know, you log it in for evidence, you tell Joe Shipbag, like, I got you on a meth pipe, you owe me. Right. If you don't want to go to jail, I want some information. Right. And then you work them as a source mm-hmm. and you get that information. And then if they ship backwards, fall off the radar, they don't want to help you. They still you got that. Meth then you pipe. still got the meth pipe. You just, yep. just put a warrant out for the arrest later. Yeah. But a lot of people are like, got a meth pipe, they go to jail and yep. they're not, they're not developing sources. They're not developing information. Mm-hmm. You know, and some guys don't want to, we got plenty of officers that are like, I'm not into that shit. I'm not interested in it. I catch them with the meth pipe. They go to jail. I write my affidavit. I go home. I don't care. Right. Um, for me, I've got, you know, I've got my, my snitch number. Yeah, my my Google Voice. Yep, that I give you know to all my sources, and mm-hmm. that shit blows up all the time. But whenever something happens, we have you know we have a robbery, right? Or or we have a major incident. We're looking for somebody. I just start blowing up sources. Yep. Hey, I need this person. Where they at? 
Yep. I've still got people, you know, sources that I cultivated <laughs> In 2014, 2015. Yeah, absolutely. That occasionally I like can still reach out to like, hey, you might not have any information, but you might know who does, mm-hmm. you know, and they're still sometimes willing to help. It's, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm getting a little long in the tooth from my dope days to reach right. out to those people. But well, the, you know, the training and the, yeah. uh, and the experience of you get the sources that hit you up. They're like, hey, I just got a ticket for uh, for no insurance. Yeah. Um, but I know where this dude's at. This dude's got warrants and he's sitting on some dope right now. Like you think you make this no insurance ticket go away. And I'm yeah. like, you give me that guy and uh, we get him in jail on some warrants and uh, we get some dope. I'm absolutely going to go to the, go to the prosecutor for that. Yeah. You know, all day long, I'll go over to our city prosecutor and say, Hey, listen, I can't really tell you why. Right. But I, we need this no insurance. For the good of justice. Right. Can we dismiss this no insurance ticket? Yeah. You know, pretty good. Yeah, sure. Done. There's, there's, that was one of the first things that I learned, like doing interviews and cultivating sources and CIs as a young dope cop with very minimal street experience at that point. Like I jumped in with both feet after two years on patrol, not knowing shit from Shinola and Your apple butter. Yeah, that too. Apple butter <laughs> and jumped in and learned to cultivate CIs and, Worked CIs very poorly for several months before I figured out that, like... It's a very special... It is. Special skill. <clears throat> but, you know, learn to never promise anything. And that's how I tell them up front. Like, listen, I can't promise you anything. But, you know, if you give me good information, then I can go to the DA or I can try to help you out however I can. But it's up to them to make that decision. Right. Like, I'll get it to that point, but I ain't making you any promises. Mm-hmm. Where Yeah, where it really comes in handy is when you stop that source and you don't know it's that source. Yeah. You know, and they're suspended and, you know, no insurance, vehicles not registered. And you're like, hey, I'm about to just wreck your day with some tickets. Yeah. Um, that are going to cost you a lot of money. Or what you know about this guy. Yeah. You know, and like a lot of times you're like, oh, that fucker's in. He's in room 103 at the shipbag hotel right now. I was just over there. He's yep. there. He's got dope in the room. And like, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what? Warnings all around today. So are you... um are you an FTO? You're training officer? Yeah. Okay. Obviously, that's got to be paramount for watching. I had some good training officers, and they had, all three of them had dope experience, you know, working dope. But I didn't get that, like, hyper proactive, you know, here's what you need to go out to, like, if you want to work dope, here's what you need to do on the street level to get right. to that point. I'm, I'm real caught, like, so... I was a training officer at the previous agency. Yeah. Um, I'm now one with the current agency, um, but they had a time with the agency requirement. Oh, okay. Um, so I just hit that. So I haven't picked one up here yet. Okay. But I, I'm i on the schedule for it. Okay. But you've... you've now, now, Shannon's been a PTO for years, um, and he'll probably agree with me on this. When I was younger, I, I probably had the mentality, hey, this is how you work dope. Sure. Um, but now I don't. We've got... We've got people coming in that can't even fucking, and it's not their fault. They're just brand new. Right. Right. You can't take a cop right out of the academy who can barely explain to you the difference between reasonable suspicion and probable cause. <laughs> and then, and then, it, and then try to teach them advanced source cultivation or right. um, working the finite areas of developing reasonable suspicion on traffic stops, you know, you know, moving people out of cars, learning how to ask for right. consent. Like 
they got to learn how to take a fucking 911 welfare. Yeah. Um, because they can't do that yet. And I think that's one of the issues that even Shannon probably agrees with that we, we had, and it's probably a lot of agencies is we had PTOs that were trying to teach brand new guys, little, little tiny baby cops. Yeah. How to go hunt warrants and work dope. And, and then they're not putting them on the calls that they should be taking. Yeah. I think that's probably one reason why I didn't get a lot of that on my FTO because it was like, here's officer safety, here's traffic stops, here's driving and, uh, area orientation because I struggled with that because I mean I got fifty four hundred square miles of fucking yeah. county to learn every the name of every road yeah like just, this is like GPS here's a nine one one call on here's a nine one one call on fucking Bob's road you know and they're like where is or like the classic FTO trick of driving out in the middle of fucking nowhere and then bang stop where, where are we I just got fucking shot. Yep. Where are we? You know, they play that game. Like, yeah, your nine one welfare's though are seventy two minute drive times. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was a period of time when I was a young blue flamer out on patrol where I would burn a full tank of fuel in a three quarter ton Chevy pickup four hundred miles in a night in a twelve hour shift and not get into shit just because it was like just the way that yeah. I wasn't doing it the right way. You know, being proactive and like I, I wasn't ever really shown how to do it on patrol and I hadn't figured it out yet, you know, and that was before I'd even gone up to work dope on the task force. Like I was trying really hard to get into shit, but it wasn't, I was trying too hard. Well, and you just didn't know where you were looking. Yeah. Like, like I don't know how many times I drove by it and it was right there, but it was that's, like, that's my soapbox. I, I keep trying to say it like, cause you're big on, you're a big advocate on proactive training now. Proactive, right. Proactive policing, actual criminal interdiction. We're not doing interdiction, like drug interdiction right. here, the way that like guys are on, on 80. Sure. Um, or like some of these, like, I'll plug it really quick too, like street cop training. Um, there's a guy on street cop training, one of their instructors, Kenny Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, God, if you haven't seen him, you got to go find him. He posts videos yep. of his interdictions. I, I, have you seen those? Yeah, I've, I've seen. I've he I've puts watched up, a couple he videos. Puts up they, actual they have a... edited videos of actual interdiction on it. And this guy is—they call him the Red Ninja. He's a redhead dude. Yeah, but he is a fucking ninja. Like the way that this dude works interdiction on these interstates outside of Chicago mm-hmm. is absolutely insane. But that is proactive policing. Yeah, and. That's what they push, and I do it too. If you're sitting on the side of the road running radar, looking for speeders, and then tell you, but but then pretend like you're a proactive cop, right. you're fucking not. Right. If you're running radar to stop people who are speeding for the for the reason of speeding, you're not a proactive cop. Right. You're a traffic cop, and that's fine. Like if that's what you want to do, if 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 like what gets your dick hard at the end of the day is writing, <laughs> you know, writing writing Karen on her, you know, late running to pick up her kid from school a yep. ticket, then fine, that's it. But you don't get to say you're a proactive criminal interdiction focused cop, right? When you're looking at your radar, you mm-hmm. you're, you're like that's not going to get it for you. Yeah. You know, you're following behind the car and you're typing the license plate in and you're running the license plate and you're being proactive because you're running plates. You run a thousand plates. You might get lucky 10 times. The, the, on an RO that has a warrant, but the RO has a warrant, right? But they're not in the car or whatever. Like it's a complete fucking waste of time. Right. And it's really, really insulting to cops who do that to say that. But the reality is it's true. Um, and that's why I bring up street cop training too. If you watch any of their trainings, like you got, you got Dennis, the, the owner of the company sure. standing up in a classroom in front of 120 cops, some of them admin and saying, you are 
garbage yeah. at interdicting criminal behavior if this is what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest thing that I push is, number one, you should know case law. Oh, yeah. Um, if, if you use words like, when in doubt, whip it out, or, or exercise caution um, to justify your fucking lack of knowledge, mm-hmm. then you're not, you're, not doing, like, you're not doing it, right? I think they say, one of the things is, would you play a game and not know how the rules, what the rules are? Like, what if we sit down to play a board game right now and nobody knows what the rules are? How the right. fuck are we going to play the game? Yep. Well, what do you think the rule book is for law enforcement? Fucking case law. It's case law. So if you don't know case, case law, law and policy. Yeah, case law and policy. Obviously, we have to do what our admin wants, and there's things we can lawfully do that admin would never support. Yep. And th- I mean that is what it is. Everybody has that. But you know, when you've got you've got guys saying you can't do that because I was told that, and you can't do it. And I'm I that's not the way I operate. And you right. say why? Well, it's because you just can't. Well, why? Mm-hmm. Show me where, where, where does it say I can't do that? Cause I can show you case law. Sure. That says I can. Yep. Um, and then the answer is, well, you know, case law, you know, case law can change. Case law generally doesn't fucking change. Yeah. Right. Every, every once in a while you have landmark decisions, but for the most part, cases are decided on a case by case basis based on very specific information regarding that case specifically. Yeah. And then everybody that's fucking cite, that cites other case law, before that cites that. other case law before that. And then everybody knee jerk reacts. And then you get a bunch of bullshit from people, you know, like yeah. while they said in the sixth circuit, we can't do this. And it's like, like, where the fuck do you live? Right. Well, and that's, so that's my issue. That's my soapbox. So I'm heavy in case law, but I'm heavy in criminal interdiction. Yeah. You cruise past me at 30 miles an hour over the speed limit. Uh, that's, that's excessive. You cruise past me at, you know, 10 over the speed limit, and you're giving me zero indicators of criminal behavior. Right. I'm probably not even going to make the stop. Yeah. Right. But you cruise past me at three over the speed limit. And you one time you. And you're giving me <laughs> criminal behavior, right? Yeah. You're you're giving me double takes. You're trying to hide your face behind the A post or the B post. Um, you're turning into neighborhoods. You're... You're doing all of those things, like you're getting fucking pulled over. You're driving a yeah. Chrysler 300. You're driving a plates on it. Yeah, you're driving. Like, you're driving a silver Pontiac Grand Prix with a green door and a purple door, and a plastic window. <laughs> right, and the but, tint's all bubbled. But those are the people. Like you want to talk about criminal interdiction? That's it. And yeah. and and that's and that's what it comes down to. So I get as an investigator, right? Like if legally I can search a car based on probable cause, right, without a warrant. Sure, we all agree that we can do that here. Right. Now, Pennsylvania is a little different. They just lost their vehicle exception. I don't know if you guys know that. Really? I hadn't heard In that. In Pennsylvania, police, because of the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, can no longer search a vehicle based on probable cause under the vehicle exception. Jesus. Um, without consent and exigency or warrant. Hmm. Period. Um, it doesn't apply to us, right? Right. If I've got... Yeah, but it might. Eventually. Right. If I've, got, if I've got probable cause to believe that, uh, you know, that, that a rape took place in a vehicle, do I need a search warrant to search the vehicle and collect evidence? No. Right. right. Is that smart? Yeah. Of course it's not smart to do that, right? So that, you know, we're not arguing about whether or not you should or shouldn't do certain things. We're saying that, like, fuck, if somebody raped somebody in a vehicle, we've got the vehicle. Let's tow the vehicle back, secure it. Let's let the detectives yep. decide what they want to do with that vehicle, how they want to collect it, secure it, get a warrant, yep. get interviews, isolate how you want to do because it. Because a good investigator can write a search warrant in their sleep. Right. Right. Like, so, honestly. so, sure, take that back. But if you fucking tell me on the side of the road that I've got PC to search it and it's probably better to err on the side of caution, get a warrant, you can fucking eat a dick. Yeah. Because if I don't need it, I don't need it. And the whole argument of, well, let's just be safe and err on the side of caution is an excuse to do things that you're not comfortable with because you don't actually know if you can or can't do it. Yeah. 
Um, and I think that is a pervasive problem in law enforcement across the nation yeah. is ignorant inbred training. Yeah. I learn it wrong. I develop some sense of grandeur about thinking I'm correct, but I can't quote why or base it off of anything. And then I teach it to another person. Because I was taught that when I was an FTO by, by <laughs> no offense, I'm not specifically referring to any of my field training officers, but I was taught by a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. you know, from case law from the sixties or eighties or whatever it might've been, you know, and it's, it's a, it's institutional inertia mm-hmm. that the things that are named in lawsuits when cops get sued is lack of training, lack of supervision. So I'm always telling people there are organizations out there that give free training. Like 100%. if you are not seeking out training in your field, whatever that might be, I don't care if you're traffic, I don't care if you're an SRO, if you're SWAT, if you're fucking detention, if you're a transport officer, if you're an investigator, sex crimes investigator, an armorer, it doesn't matter. If you're not seeking out training to make yourself better, then fucking leave. Right. I mean, you, you know what's free? Yes. You want to know what's free? Google. Google's free. But um, you know what else is free? Google Scholar. <laughs> Did you know that you can go to Google Scholar and press the case law button and then you can select? Yep. And then I don't know if I can say that. I'll edit it up. Um, and then you can select, you can say what circuit we're in. Yeah. And then you select the state you're in. Yeah. And then Supreme court and then the 10th circuit. Yeah. You can select just those three courts, the ones that actually matter to us. And then you can go to the search bar and you can type in whatever vehicle plus search plus marijuana odor and hit enter and see every single case. Yep. That has ever been decided in those three courts and read them all. Yep. Just you. I, I do most of my case law research on mm-hmm. Justia. I have Tries no idea. What's that? Google Scholar. No, no idea? Clue. No. Google, yeah. So Google Scholar is probably the best free case law resource out there right now. No shit. Because it puts everything in the same format in every way. I'm not kidding you. Go to Google, like type in Google Scholar. Sure. Select case law. Go to the courts and select the courts you want. Hmm. Like if you don't give a shit about what the Supreme Court says or the Tenth Circuit says and you just want to know our state court. Sure. Look it up. Huh. Um, my advice to you is like <laughs> Shannon. Shannon's nodding and she's looking. He's on his, his phone, phone right now, looking at it. I, like, here's an example: like U.S. v. Johns or uh, uh, Peyton v. New York. Any any cases like entering homes with arrest warrants, mm-hmm. right? It's their residence. It's their whatever. Um, right. They have a warrant. Their home and it's their residence, right? Peyton v. New York, mm-hmm. big friggin' Supreme Court case says we can enter on the warrant, right? Sure. Well, you want to know what our state says specifically about that? Because sometimes, you know, our state might say we're not good with it because they yep. can t- the, the they could be more restrictive. They can take it away. So you just select and then you type in Peyton v. New York. And then you can look at every case law that our Supreme Court quotes that one on and then find out if they if they affirm it. Like sure. our state agrees with this with Peyton v. New York. And because of that, the the consensus is, yeah, we agree. It's good. It's good or whatever. Sure. So I know, just another quick plug for Street Cop, I know that they have a Facebook group and there's like tens of thousands of cops on there. Oh, crazy. Um, So you get on their Facebook group, it's Street Cop Training, something like that. Yeah, just Street Cop Training. And you uh, submit your credentials basically to prove that you're active Mm -hmm. law enforcement and then you can get on it and you can basically have conversations with cops nation and worldwide Yeah, and about proactive policing. More importantly... Um, all of Street Cops trainings instructors, for the most part, interact okay. with people on the Facebook yep. group. And it is one of the most. So Dennis, um, he's from New Jersey. And just like a, a guy from New Jersey, like the dude is blunt to the point. But he's <laughs> fucking hilarious. I've, I've listened to him recently on another podcast, the uh, the uh, 
10 8 podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he speaks the truth, though. Like, the guy, and, and I mean, he agrees with it. He's like, I'm not here to make you, make you happy. I'm not yep. here to be your friend. I'm here to fix a problem yep. in law enforcement. And he, that is that is the ignorance that exists right now, and we want to make it better. And I'm going to stand in front of this class, and I'm going to tell the lieutenants in the front row that if you're doing X, Y, Z, you're fucking trash, right? And he yep. probably didn't say it exactly like that, but but that's the point. Sure. And... For example, there's a guy in Street Cop, probably one of the, like, hands-down best case law guys out there. Yeah. Like, you ask the guy a question, and he can quote case law from from every state. Like, yeah. that's all the guy does is he works and he researches. And I believe he's in law school right now anyways. Okay. Not that I think being a lawyer automatically qualifies you in search and seizure case law, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> never mind. Yeah, well, I won't even, even jump it. on that one. <laughs> but the guy is just absolutely insane. Well, he's a moderator on it. So okay. you go on there and you say, hey, I had this situation. This was going on. This is what I think. Um, I'm being told this. Like, I'm just wondering. Sure. Uh, this is the state I'm in. What can I do? And he sends it. Well, the shit doesn't go to the website automatically to get 4,000 other cops offering their bullshit opinions that aren't accurate based on their own moral standing. Okay, so they they It gets moder- moderated. Okay. So it gets moderated. And literally, Zach will go in, and he'll see that, and he will post okay. the factual answer, quoting and citing case law. So here's the question, here's the answer. Here's the question, here's the answer, and then he'll, let, he'll let people talk for a little while. But the second people start just muddying the waters with their garbage, like, if, if they're being detained, Miranda has to be read. Mm-hmm. Like, shut the fuck up, dude. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. That is not the case. Like, right. So... Dennis or any one of those guys are real fast to just shut it down, shut the comments down. In fact, people talk shit. They're like, oh, I'm just waiting on Dennis to shut the comments down. Well, you yeah. wouldn't have to shut the comments down if all you fucking talking heads yeah. would stop offering your garbage opinions. Like, right. you got a, a leading like a leading case law guy who just answered the question, and you're arguing with him right. based on what? Some fucking sergeant you had 10 years ago who told you you couldn't do something? Right. And it probably wasn't that circumstance that he was. And it probably you know, wasn't that one. No, uh, like I would encourage anybody to uh, to go over to Street Cop Training. He they offer a bunch of free stuff online yeah. to review. They've got classes all over the place. They got sure. a a big ass awesome Atlantic City conference coming up in October. Nice. So they were nice enough to bring me on board to start putting together a specific oh, nice. case law course. So I'm yeah. working with the Zach guy and and some of the other guys on the team to build a well I know good solid course and hopefully put it on here in the next couple of months somewhere sure. in, somewhere in our state well most I mean we're a, a mountain rural state I have a lot of friends that we went through peace officer basic with that the only training they've ever got was what they got the 13 weeks at the academy right and that's from it's taught to the lowest common denominator which is unfortunately those guys yeah the most restrictive like yeah it's just not taught you know and I do get it I get that sometimes you have to uh you have to restrict it to protect everybody yeah, and then let people start operating in those more advanced areas as yep. they get better. But, and I'm not saying it about our agency by any stretch, it, but it's, it's nationwide problem. You've got cowardice in leadership. You've got leadership pandering to the masses. You've yeah. got, well, they're at the, you know, some of these guys are elected officials. Like, yeah. You've got they policies. Have to consider that. Yeah. You've got policies and agencies that are coming out that, that are absolutely destructive. Sure. To, mor- to morale, you know, and you see it all the time. You got bad leaders. Yeah. Um, I think, I think honestly, where we work in our area, I, I, you know, you don't always agree with, with your bosses, but I think for the most part, we've got, yeah, pretty good leadership from sergeant up to, up to the boss. Yeah. And sometimes I forget that 
I'm responsible for myself and <laughs> they're responsible for a lot more. Right. So, so man, we're running long tonight. Um, oh shit. Has so real, long? so real quick, let's, let's, I guess in closing, let's wrap up the three questions that I have for everybody. So sage advice, if you had to give sage advice to given all your time and years and experience in the military, I don't care if it's military and somebody new coming in the military or somebody new coming in law enforcement or somebody that's in law enforcement right now, what would you like one piece of sage advice that you would give out? Learn every single thing you can about what it is that you're doing. There is no excuse to be ignorant in a job like this. Exactly. Period. It, it That's my case law. That's my soapbox. But I'm a huge case law person. Yeah. So, well, it, I mean, it really does dictate how we do our jobs. It is how we do our jobs. Like, we operate in case law. Do you think that our search incident to arrest... Our, our searching somebody incident to arrest isn't in the Constitution. Yep. Our founding fathers didn't say, if you arrest somebody, you can search them. Where do you think it comes from? Yep. A search incident to arrest is established by precedent through our system. That's our, that's, that's our court system. Sure. And it's everything. It's search and seizure. It's use of force. It's everything. Everything. I mean, you want, like you talk about use of force, Tennessee v. Garner, right? Um, fleeing felon stuff, um, uh, vehicle exceptions. That's all built in case law. Yep. So... If you're a cop, and I don't care if you're day one or you're 20-year cop, if you don't have your face in case law, you should stop being a cop. Period. I I get regular, so you can sign up for, oh, I can't remember exactly who it comes from. Uh, It's called the Informer. I get it every month. It's a monthly case law update from Supreme Court. Uh, So United States Supreme Court, like all case law. And then it's broke down by circuits, Mm -hmm. you know. Absolutely. Yep. And I get that every month and it like, that's my, oh, and I will take the time to sit down and read every one of those. Every case that it cites, I will sit and read those. hundred percent. And don't just read the, don't read the header and make your decision. Read the whole thing. Yeah. Read, read the actual decision. Mm -hmm. You know, when it's cited, go into Justia, go into Google Scholar, go in, do the research, be well-versed. And it makes you better on the street. Yeah. You know, when I have people that argue like, hey, I need you to hop out of the car really quick. And they're like, uh, for what? I just want to talk to you out of the car. Well, you can't ask me to get out of the car. I can't ask you to get out of the car. Yeah. You know, I'll tell people straight up. Like, I'll say, listen, Pennsylvania versus Mims says <laughs> that if I ask you to get out of the car, you have to. It's a Supreme Court decision. Right. You don't have a choice. I'm asking you to get out of the car. It's not a request. Uh, if you refuse to comply with that, I'm going to place you under arrest for interference. Right. So get out of the car. You know, who knows if they give a shit about Pennsylvania versus Mims, right? Yeah. But, but when you start they, throwing out Supreme Court case law, maybe somebody's like, all right, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah, they Some know. guy on YouTube told me that this was the case, but... They don't. They might not know what they're talking about, but they know that you're talking. Right. You know what you're talking so about. So, that, I mean, that's so. it. That's it. Learn your shit. Yeah. And stop saying, when in doubt, whip it out. <laughs> How about learn your fucking job, and then you're not in doubt? <laughs> okay. So, on to the gear locker. Give me one piece of gear that you use, say, every day, that either whether it's a piece of your uniform or it's gear that you use like constantly that has changed the way that you work. And it can be anything. This might not apply to everybody because of your agency. I think the switch for me was when I went from heavy ass, thick basket weave leather to fake Accumold plastic light Nylon? Nylon that looks like leather. Okay. With the little clip on the front. See, and I run the buckleless Safari Land. When I do wear a uniform, I still got the old basket weave. 
So my you know, leather safari land. I I have heavy a, mold. I have a terrible back, and yeah. I attribute it to firefighting, military, and law enforcement. So the vests were great. Yeah, like the only thing I have on my belt now is a gun and magazines. Yeah. I don't even keep my mags on there. I keep them all. Right. On my I don't vest. keep them on my vest because I'm out of space, but because <laughs> they only gave us like four straps yeah, so on the guys, front of our vest. You guys have the ones with the shirt pocket. Yeah. They made it like something. some hat. Somebody's like, we need to make it look like a uniform shirt, but still make it useful. And yeah. they just put a bunch of dumb shit on it <laughs> that makes it look like a dirty ass uniform. It's so stupid. Like it's got fucking uniform shirt pockets, yep. but Molly straps on it. But then it's got like the shoulder epaulets. Yeah. That like fold up and they look stupid and they make your collar look dumb. Like it, it's, yeah. somebody just wanted it to be like half vest, half shirt yeah. and whatever. Like I'm not bitching cause we got the vests, which is great. But yeah, um, anything, I started wearing nylon. Anything you do to make it lighter. Yeah. I'm not kidding you. Like the difference in weight. I don't know. What do you wear? Well, 33 pounds when I was in a uh, uniform. That's how much my, my belt weighed. Yeah. Are, were you wearing pounds. leather or were you? Yeah. Leathers. Cause what was the issue to me? When I was at the jails, black nylon. And yeah, so it I got nice. I got. I I told one day I'm like I'm like dude. I took the belt off. I'm like tossed it to him. And he's like, holy shit, yeah. like, that is so much lighter. I'm like, dude, I like I get it. It doesn't look as good as leather, but like I'm done trying to look good. <laughs> I'm trying not to fuck my back up anymore. Right. For so sure. like those guys on the East Coast, they're fucked. They got to wear like like all kinds of the fucking be- whistles and bells and, and like, like the belts and like the, the shoulder belt with that the goes shoulder over. belt. And me, I'm like, I'm just gonna put this fucking, fucking nylon, this fake, this fake leather belt on. Yeah. I don't know. I guess gear is anything you can do to lighten your shit up. Okay. Oh, definitely. Stop yeah, trying to be a GI Joe in Iraq, right? All you, all you Roger Ramjet rookies out there with your blue flame spouting out your ass, give it till wait till you turn thirty five. You've been doing this for yeah. fifteen years. Yeah, wait till you get out of your fucking car. <laughs> you wake up in the morning after a fight and you can't you can't stand up. Yeah, I eventually had to start taking stuff off. It was too much. Yeah, just, yeah. Just shortly before Jake checked out of service, he got in a foot pursuit today and uh, sat down at the table. And was like, you know what? I'm getting a little old for this. I'm getting too old for this. Foot <laughs> pursuit. I ran way longer than I wanted to. My breath was burning. The rookie behind me, f- by the way, I did fucking keep him behind me. All right. I ran faster than him, but I ran through a big ass puddle. My boots are drying out. We get done with this little uh, this little foot pursuit, and he's breathing hard like he worked out, but he's he's like ready to move on. Right. And I'm, I'm talking to, d- and I'm like, ah, ah, Oh, laughing at me, and I'm like, "Why aren't you fucking breathing hard, you rookie?" And they're like, "Cause he's like 21." <laughs> His recovery time. Is His recovery too, time is right. good. He's back on it, and like, I'm dry. I'm st- my chest is still tight. It's been four hours. <laughs> so, aside from all the shit that you've seen and done, and what you still do every day, like, what's some of your distractions? I know you got a lot of. I mean, obviously, travel's one of them. That I think that's how I say sane i have really really in the last few years transitioned away from my job being my life right i love being a cop i do every aspect of it i i was a paramedic a firefighter and in the military and i love being a cop but i have learned that this is a job it is not my life when i am off duty i don't wear cop shit yeah i don't drive around with cop stickers on my car and i'm not knocking anybody that does i just like i separate myself from this job as much as humanly possible when I'm not working. Right. Because I don't want to be a cop off duty outside of what I am required to do. I would never not step in in a sure. situation, but you know, where somebody's being hurt, but I just separate it. And that's how I stay sane. So, yeah. 
I like I don't have a bunch of cop shit hanging up in my house. Yeah. If you walked into my house, the only reason you know I'm a cop is because I got a police car parked in front of my house. <laughs> and I'm random not, guns. And I'm not married anymore. Um, so I just got like a vest over here and like my duty belt over here and there's <laughs> right. some, some belt keepers and shit. Right. So I just I like I separate from the job. So sure. travel, go to as many countries as possible. COVID's really fucked that up. Yeah. Um and then photography. I, your photography is I've gotten fantastic. Pretty heavy into that. And I know it's all edited very well, but you can't have a well-edited photo if you don't have a good photo to start with. Because I dabbled in photography for a long time. Yeah, you can't fix... Like, you can polish a turd. Right. But you can't you can't make a bad photo a good photo. You can just make a bad photo a well-edited bad photo. Right. Um, and I, I have to say that you're, the stuff that I see that you post on social is just... It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, those are just the ones I post. I take right. plenty of bad photos. Well, and I know, like, as, like I said, as somebody that dabbled in it, I know that you got to take a hundred bad photos to get, you know, two or three good ones that you're like, oh Definitely yeah, that's try. the one right there. It's so. a good thing I got divorced because the amount of money I've spent on camera equipment would have gotten me divorced <laughs> yes. if, if I still was. So. That's my wife. I always complains. She's like, you know, you don't have a lot of hobbies, but man, they're fucking expensive. Well, yeah, we're sitting here on like a $2,000 podcast station. Yeah. Well, it, it is what it is. Yeah. It's, it goes well with my two, two vintage porches, Porsches and a room full of guitars now. I was going to say, you got you got quite a bit of money in your, your guitars, but you play and sing well, though, too. Yeah. Yeah, I try. I've, it's I mixed reviews, but... I I'm a little try. irritated that you won a fucking Porsche. I never win anything. I can't even win a raffle. Yeah. I couldn't win a raffle still, in a room with one ticket. It's sitting in the fucking driveway, and I still don't believe it. I would it, still man. lose, yeah. I So, for the listeners, I recently won a drawing and received a car for free. I had to Yeah, a Porsche. Yeah. Not a car, pay, a Porsche. I had to pay to get it here. You want a Porsche. A Porsche. Yeah. yeah. To go with this one you already owns. It's it matches well with the one that I already had. I have never <laughs> I've never won anything. And you know, at first I was like kind of humble about it. Like I I can't believe I won. And then I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I fucking won. Dude, I got a buddy named you know firefighter. Yeah. Um like I just assume that when he enters something, he's going to win. That guy has won guns. He won. He won like a four thousand dollar rifle. He he won. He wins pistols constantly. Right. Uh, he won a fucking wine tree at a wine <laughs> tasting event with like eight hundred dollars worth of wine on it. Holy shit! A wine tree. Hmm. Yeah. Only My thing I've ever won that. is two divorces. Yeah, I won. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I won a divorce decree. For sure, uh, I want a, a, a shitty back, which is now turning into a shitty neck. Yeah, and uh, and an empty, dead inside soul. That's oh, that's stop! What I mean. <laughs> stop. Big fucking teddy bear. All right, man. Well, I think we're gonna call it for the night because we're right at two hours. It's a long one, but I do appreciate you coming, man. Like you're, you're, I knew as soon as as soon as I started talking about this project and like bringing it to life. You were one of the people that I was like, I got to get Jake on the show, man, because you're, just, you're such a character. You got so many great stories and like the, your proactivity and your mindset are, are different in a, in a way that really sets you apart from our peers, you know? So I'm, I'm glad you decided to come. I'm glad I could get you on oh, I'm when you to be here, busy and working. So you got to get in here. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 We talked about him on, on the first episode and, uh, I saw him today, and I was, yeah. Uh, he, yeah, too. he's funny. All right, man. Well, that's that's it for today's show, man. Like, I do, like I said, I can't tell you much how much I appreciate you coming in. Um, for all the listeners, uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Podcast or on Apple. 
Make sure you give us a review. It drives us up the charts on their funky algorithm. And uh, you can find us over on Podbean. We'll be there at www.thedoor.podcast.podbean.com. You can leave us a review there as well. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, thanks for joining us. This has been episode four of the Door Up Podcast. First broader stories from the people who live them. Also, side note, this episode and this show is strictly for entertainment purposes. Stay safe. Stay frosty.